On this week's episode, we're talking the future of Twitch, The Last Jedi's Bright Future, a Dark Tower reboot, a recap of Week 7 in the NFL, and is this the biggest week of the year for video games? All this and more as we once again delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. The number one show, eight months running on the podcast radio network, and we truly appreciate it. And it's all because of you out there. Thank you so much for stopping back in with us. And who is here to talk pop culture? None other than the man, the myth, the legend. He's the starship commander of Humanica Media. Is Josh Peterson. What's up, my friend? Yeah, Star Trek. Nothing, man. What's going on? <laughs> I just saw an ad for the Paramount Network, which is, I, I guess, another streaming entity. But that made me think for a second there. Isn't Star Trek a Paramount property? Yes. So why would Star Trek Discovery be on the CBS All Access? network which is basically a startup themselves and not be on the paramount network which is basically a startup themselves so you said paramount has a streaming service paramount network coming very soon oh maybe maybe they already had a pre-existing contract with cbs that would be my guess but but if you know yeah. you're going to run a network you know what gotta get that content out there as fast as possible I guess so, but that makes no sense. Here, watch all the other Star Trek stuff on the Paramount Network, but the brand new show that you might want to watch the most is on CBS. So that makes absolutely no sense to me, but hey, like you said, CBS was writing up those checks. Maybe Paramount needed to cash them, so we'll have to wait and see. But it's going to be a great show we have here today. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about indeed. But Josh, TwitchCon, which is one of the, well, in the streaming world, one of the more important days of the year is, is actually going on. It's been a great weekend for our good friend Salvador Villa and Mario Party Wars. He's just having a great time as far as that's concerned. But I want to ask you, your thoughts on Twitch itself, because the numbers for Twitch, they're still very strong, but we haven't talked much about Twitch lately as being that major entity in the streaming world and in the streaming universe actually and i'll tell you what their audience is estimated right around 185 million watching at some point in time during the year but with all these other entities that are out there what's going on as far as twitch as a major streaming power with what people are watching and viewing in today's audience it's content made by the people for the people. And that's kind of the, that's like to me personally, that's a big appeal. Um, you know, we've talked about this before. We have YouTube who's out there. Yes, they have live streaming capabilities. Yes, you can stream games and do all the stuff you do on Twitch. But YouTube regulates so heavily what you're doing, like in, as far as like profiting off of it goes. And, um, you know, with Twitch, you have to have a certain amount of viewers before you start making money. But, there's more freedom to do what you want, less less control over content and 
it's kind of if you have an idea you can just throw it out there onto twitch and anybody can do it and i think that's what like even when it comes to content like uh like shows and stuff like you can go on twitch someone has a show you can rely on it being there week after week or day after day instead of having to wait for like a long break or if someone just didn't feel like uploading content when you're on twitch as a content creator you're kind of making a commitment saying hey we're going to be doing this consistently whereas YouTube is more finicky and sporadic, and I honestly feel like Twitch is going to be—it's going to be around for a long time, and they're kind of the the wave of the future. And it's a great idea; it's a very good business model. Um, YouTube is slowly gonna—I have a feeling YouTube—we're going to see less YouTubers out there and more people heading towards the Twitch space when it comes to live streaming. I know, as far as myself is concerned, we've had our glory days when with Game Source, as far as doing Twitch and being a Twitch channel trying to stream on there, but it also show podcasts, things of that nature. But one thing I've always had an issue with as far as content being shown 24 hours a day, because I have over 600 videos that are part of the game source. And between our pop culture stuff, we're now doing about around 100 as well, as far as different videos that, that people can watch and enjoy at any point in time. What I'd like to see, and I think Twitch is evolving into it, is that a, a streaming list uh, as far as a continuous feed, that's what I'm looking as far as Twitch or YouTube allowing you to do is, hey, I've got all these videos. Can I just go ahead and put them on a loop? And there you go, and you watch great content, and then be able to add it on to it at any given point in time. So there is no dead time on my channel that's what i'm hoping to come out of it that's what i wanted when i was actively trying to to push the twitch channel for for game source and i'm hoping that uh, i've heard their their step and actually seen steps in that right direction it is going in that direction so we'll, we'll see what happens well, like I said, I mean, because we've got so many videos as far as within the Game Source Pop Culture Cosmos universe, if we were able to go ahead and try and mesh that and just be able to have that just keep on running and putting on a loop until so, – so someone can watch it at any given point in time, and stuff from the past, stuff that's current, whatnot, and then load in, like, for instance, us when we tape this episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos and put that on there. I wanted to evolve into something a little bit more, and I think it's getting in that direction as far as becoming an all-around channel for you to have an actual channel instead of just being, okay, I'm going to stream my game, and then it's off. I'm hoping to get, like, like you go to a TV station. You go to a turn it to a cable channel. There's always something on. Right, and, uh, but if you think about it like this, so, like, that, Twitch would have to have some major upgrading major processing power a huge a very powerful server to have be able to support everybody streaming 24 7 and i love the idea but i feel like it would pro they'd have to start charging us money to do something like that i hope they wouldn't and i hope it goes that way but you know you just got to think of the logistics of it because they're basically giving us our own free network essentially well, they're, they're only giving it to you free at a certain point. When you want to evolve into something larger, you have to go ahead and start uh, dealing with the advertisements or, or dealing with as far as with people subscribing and, and following and whatnot. Then it gets into pricier and pricier content if you want to become a bigger player in the game. And I think that's what a lot of people have avoided or shied away from because if you truly want to – same thing with YouTube. If you truly want to make a commitment to being – 
a bigger player within that streaming market, you have to start investing more than just time into it. You have to start investing a, a little bit of money as well. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, streaming anything, becoming a podcaster or a video streamer, or whatever, is a it's already an investment. You know, you're already paying the money, you're paying the uh, the hosting fees and all that stuff. So. Yeah, it just depends on how far you want to go, and most people expect to kind of make money right away, but it takes a long time to really turn a profit on anything in this this business. Yes, you're exactly right in that. That's something I've come to learn over the course of seven plus years in doing this type of stuff. So it does take a lot of effort, does take a lot of time and commitment to do this. And to all those people out there who stream so much, and I, you know, you hear the stories people streaming six days a week. They stream well over 70, 80, 100 hours in a given week. And to me, that that's really rough on uh, a lot of people that that just commit to this life of streaming. Sure, they get the, the lifestyle and the, and the benefits of it. But I think there's some, another step that YouTube and Twitch and, and uh, well, Mixer and a lot of other streaming entities out there can commit to better and can do better uh, even more for their customers, their consumers, and their streamers. I think they're unwilling to do it as of yet because, like you said, it's a cost and logistics issue, but I think it's something in the future that they should commit to at some point in time to make it even more palatable and garner an even larger audience because uh, Twitch is starting to make maneuvers outside of the gaming world that they've done. Uh, they're, they're part of a lot of other entities now. They've shown a lot of stuff from from pro wrestling to board gaming to you know a whole bunch of other pop culture type things on Twitch to make it even more palatable for people to come and watch Twitch. And well, you know, YouTube has been pretty much there for everything uh, as long as the content is allowed by them. So that's something uh, that they're very well doing. Someone like Mixer who just comes into the game like they have now, it's a very tough hoe for them to go into as far as trying to come in make a difference between them and also matching up between twitch and also what youtube offers i know that their pitch during e3 to us when we interviewed them was having a more instant now effect do you think that's really something that viewers really you know notice or care about when it comes to watching these twitch streams these youtube streams and what have you it depends on the demographic and it depends on uh, whether or not they too are streamers. Uh, uh, you know, like little, like kids, a lot, of, a lot of video game views come from kids like in elementary school, junior high, high school. And they don't, they don't really notice it. They just, want, they just want to watch a video. They want to see something cool. If you're a tech person or you're a streamer, you notice it. Obviously, you know, we noticed it with the uh, PlayStation uh, conference at E3 this year, which is pretty bad. But I mean, if you're just out there looking for content, you're you're fine. I mean, you're not like if you're a kid and you're looking to watch some video game movies or gameplay or something, you're okay waiting the extra you know second or two to to watch it. I don't think a lot of people really notice it. And the sad thing is, I was hoping Mixer was going to do really well, but I haven't heard much about them since E3. So maybe this year we'll hear more from them, but. Like, I'm on the internet a lot, and if I haven't heard much about Mixer or their advertising or anything like that, I'm sure a lot of other people haven't either. So, you know, we're gonna, we'll, we'll wait and see what, what's going on with that. But right now, Twitch is the, the big name in the streaming world. Uh, it is one of the biggest. I'll, t I'll say, well, yes, YouTube streaming has not become as popular as Twitch, but YouTube 
dwarfs Twitch when it comes to the overall viewing because there's so much content out there, literally, that dwarfs anything that is even, even comparative. And, and Twitch, it, even at set number two, is still less than half of what YouTube does overall in viewing, but they're both huge entities indeed, and I don't want to take anything away from that. I hope everyone had a great time at TwitchCon, just the gathering of Twitch and celebration of Twitch users indeed. But the future does look bright for Twitch. As long as they try to keep evolving, I know there's some things that I'd like to see, but let's hope that Twitch in the future will definitely become that entity and that network that everybody hopes it will evolve into in the future. What are your thoughts on Twitch do you think you want to see more from Twitch? Do you like where it's at? Or what changes would you make to Twitch to make it even better and to make it even as strong or even stronger than YouTube? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Twitter as well. It's going to be a great episode indeed, and I'll tell you what, we've got a lot of things lined up. We're talking The Last Jedi video games galore this week, and also as well, we're talking The Dark Tower later on in the program, plus Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. He's stopping by to recap week seven in the NFL. But first, it's our man Chad and Hyper Schmidt, and this is Fighting Eyes, and this is the Pop Culture Cosmos.
You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmos show and the PCC Multiverse. I would say Rogue One has a more worn feel. And I love it for that because it looks a lot like New Hope where everything isn't shiny and plastic like the Star Trek films. We always talk about timelines and the franchises that we love. And now it's kind of like, okay, now we're going to do a Han story. Now we're going to do Obi-Wan story. People do still like to go into movies and watch things that are different, watch things that are not related to superhero franchises. With him, you might get the Russell Westbrook thing. Kevin Durant leaves and he goes, I'm not going anywhere. This is my team. I'm really up it for the long haul. If you're into like very strategic style games and the co-op games in general, it's a highly recommended game overall. And it's a sense of depth and personality that would escalate fighting games to a higher degree. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Every week on the Podcast Radio Network and Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop culture cosmos and game source we truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today if for some reason you cannot catch our show on the podcast radio network either the monday show 10 30 p.m eastern or the friday show which is the pcc multiverse 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific on the podcast radio network you can always download and stream you know because streaming seems to be the thing of the day today what we're talking about you can always stream our episodes that are always available right now. In fact, on Apple Podcasts, tune in the Ace Podcast Network, Overcast, Player.fm, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangipound Network, the Gunna Geek Network, Cast Crunch, and PopCultureCosmos.wordpress.com. And if you download or stream our podcast off of one of those channels, we always throw in some bonus stuff just for listening. And speaking of just listening, you got to listen to all the great stuff that's going on with Humanica Media. So, Josh, tell everyone out there what's going on in the wonderful universe known as Humanica Media. You know, we'll have a new Inside Sports, which you can check out now. There'll be one up on Tuesday. A new, uh, you can check out Brian's interview with. Uh, Andy Shots from uh, Pocket Watch Games, and that's up. And there will be a mini BS up on Monday night, and we're going to be recording a new Super BS on Wednesday. But other than that, I'm looking to book some stuff right now, so I'll let you guys know when I know. Well, also as well, I want to talk about your two great things that have just appeared, your website and your Patreon, which basically is you know great options for people to get more great content from Humanity Media. Right, you can check out our website now. It's got all the content in one place, so you don't have to keep searching things on YouTube because all the links are there. And yeah, we do have a Patreon. You can check out some exclusive content on there. I don't like, I feel bad. Like, I don't like to ask people for money, but, um, you know, we try to keep some stuff up there on the off chance that you do want to donate to our cause. You know, like I always tell people, I'm not trying to become internet rich or famous. I just, you know, want to keep making production bigger and better. So, Speak for looking, yourself, man. I want to be internet rich and famous. Hey, we don't always get what we want. But yeah, if there's some stuff this up there you true. want to check it out, I would greatly appreciate it. Don't feel pressured. If you have no bucks to give, we still have some content for you. You can still check out stuff at the usual places. But yeah, feel free to browse. And I'll just be here with my lack of internet fame and my lack of internet fortune. But that's okay. I still love our listeners. 
Meanwhile, Josh is looking at me like, man, this dude's like checked out. But anyways, it's going to be a, a great time indeed come December when The Last Jedi hits theaters. And why are we talking about it so early? Because it's still late October. There's still a lot of ways to go before the actual movie comes out. And the trailer, we talked about that already and our thoughts on it. But projections are now actually coming in as far as because early ticket sales uh, including my own have already come in there's people buying them already as far as advanced screenings are concerned i noticed when i was there that friday and saturday in my area in fact thursday night premiere as well were pretty much all booked up already as far as the theaters that i was attending here josh the movie is now projected to do well over 200 million dollars in the first weekend alone domestically and by some accounts that it looks like it may have the biggest box office opening of all time do you think it will have that large of an opening and why is it going to be so successful as compared to let's say the force awakens which did awesome numbers in its own right but the last jedi looks to even do even more Yes, I do think it will do fantastic opening numbers, and that's easy. It's because after so after A New Hope, box office numbers went up for Empire Strikes Back, and that's you know it's a, it's the same principle. So we already we saw that they can create new Star Wars movies and make them good, and now we want to know what happens next. So you've already had all that time to build momentum, and you've had time to hype up the franchise, and now you're getting more people into it and it's at a it's at a point too where it's like in this two years you're actually starting to get new fans as you know you have the parents whose kids are finally reaching the age where they're old enough to appreciate it and they're showing them the movies so star wars is like a an avalanche like a good avalanche it's just it builds momentum and it keeps going and going and going well, I said some entities out there are actually looking at uh, even advancing above the $247 million The Force Awakens made in its opening weekend. But there's others that are saying, well, it may not do quite as well. So I'm going to ask you, you really think that The Last Jedi will do well above or at least a minimal amount above the actual opening of The Force Awakens? Because I think it will. I think people are really now excited who weren't getting onto the train the hype train with the force awakens they've seen the force awakens at some point in time they're now becoming excited because it seems like it's it's reaching not only the older generations but a new generation and the millennials as well so you think it's actually going to be doing even better i think it will what are your thoughts yeah i think so and plus you have the the sad fact that this is um carrie fisher's last star wars film so you know, it's for the same reason that people went to go see the what Fast Seven is because it's Paul Walker's last one. So now you have, you know, you have people going to pay homage to Carrie Fisher also. So I think that's a big playing factor also. Excellent point. Excellent point. And I think also that the the Force Awakens didn't totally resonate with the China market when it premiered there, even though they that Disney really tried hard and Lucasfilm tried hard to push the the movie and, and the actual saga in and of itself with the Chinese audience. For some reason, it just didn't connect the first time around with The Force Awakens. 
if it's going to connect at all, I think The Last Jedi is going to be that movie that will connect with that audience. And if it does, what well, we've seen from one to another with the Kingsman this weekend internationally and, and within the Chinese box office, it's gone almost 75% more than, than the original Kingsman when it debuted in the Chinese market. So if a anything holds true with sequels and whatnot, The Last Jedi could be seeing a huge boon in the Chinese market when it debuts later this year. So I I'm hopeful for that. I'm hopeful for great things from The Last Jedi. And if the movie is actually any good at all, and any good at all as far as a movie that's comparable to some of the best that are out there, I think it will have a long-lasting two to two and a half billion dollar run worldwide box office. So I definitely see some strong signs indeed for The Last Jedi. I think 200 million is easy for that movie to do in its first weekend domestically. And I think 250 it should not be out of the realm and should not be out of question at this point in time. What are your thoughts on The Last Jedi? Are you excited to see the movie? Do you already have your tickets ready? And do you think it will exceed The Force Awakens when it comes to actual, not only first weekend box office, but also overall as well? We want to hear your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well humanity media game source and pop culture cosmos on facebook and twitter as well get ready for box art a gaming docuseries from pyre productions and rob mccallum films and if you love video games chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades in our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. And we're back with the show. This is The Pop culture cosmos my name is gerald glassford from pop culture cosmos and game source i'm here along with my good friend he is the man the myth the legend behind humanity media it's josh peterson and josh i will tell you this well actually not this could be but this is the biggest week of the year for video game releases because three not one not two but three big triple a games are coming out this weekend to do battle i mean you and i both thought at some point in time somebody was going to back out and someone was going to be delaying maybe a week or come maybe a week earlier uh, to retail shelves and and all that but sure enough three big games super mario odyssey assassin's creed origins and wolfenstein 2 are all coming out this week I want to ask you first, I know you're an Assassin's Creed guy, and I know you would favor that most likely, because I know it's probably the one you want to play the most, but I ask you, of the three, which do you think is going to make the biggest mark initially when it comes to audience approval, sales, and also, which do you think would be the best quality game to come out of the three? Super Mario Odyssey, for sure. I, I mean... It's going to be the most well received as for Assassin's Creed. Like I'm sure it's going to sell, it'll it'll probably sell a little bit more than Odyssey because not you have to consider that a lot of people 
still don't have Nintendo Switches, and now that they're finally starting to be readily available, like Target and Toys R Us and whatnot, people are probably not going to be getting them until Christmas because we're so close to the holiday season. So I think that Mario will be the most well-received, Assassin's Creed is going to sell the most, and Wolfenstein will be one of those uh, slow burners that people pick up afterwards and then realize how great of a game it is. Uh, absolutely. I agree with you 100% on that. Do not sleep on Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus. I, I think it will continue that great story that Wolfenstein had. And you and I, I played through it, and I know you played through it too. Yeah, I bought it when it was on sale on the Xbox. So it was uh, definitely a good game. Definitely, indeed. I just I love that narrative. Huh, what do you know? A single-player narrative that actually sold very well. What are the odds? Don't tell EA. My goodness, do I, am I still harboring some ill feelings over that decision with Visceral? Yes, I am. But I think I the world is, Gerald. I think video gamers all over the world are because they're essentially trying to herald the end of the single-player gaming. So, yeah. And, and also, Amy Hennig, her talent, the, the writer for the first two Uncharted, that's, that, her, all of her work going down in the toilet like that, that's just not cool. That's... She could have gone somewhere else and made a game that's come out by now that would have rocked the world and have done very well or, or something like that. And, and to have her efforts go to waste at this point in time for them to revamp it, to throw in some loot boxes or microtransaction really irks my hide, so to speak. But we won't go there. I know. I'll let Nathan Drake behind me do that. But as far as big video game releases, Wolfenstein to the New Colossus is something definitely people need to look out for. And of course, right, like you said, Super Mario Odyssey is definitely a game to watch. And uh, well, I, I think it'll probably have almost the same attach rate as Zelda did. And there's also a bundle coming out for it as well, a little bit higher price than I thought, but oh well, got to deal with it. Assassin's Creed Origins is something that people need to be made aware of because Assassin's Creed, the last couple, didn't leave the best taste in everyone's mouths. Yeah, it was they're kind of reaching the end of their, uh, you know, their goodwill. I I thought that it was good. I mean, it was Syndicate, right? That was the last one. I liked it, and I, also Unity as well. Unity was a just one mess of after another, but I really enjoyed Syndicate. They need the story to go somewhere. That was their biggest problem. So I'm hoping with uh, Origins, they'll be able to actually point us in a direction so that we maybe later on can actually finish what's going on. Well, it's. I want to ask this. Why go back? Because after so many iterations and you're trying to get that backstory line as far as everything that's going on, what do you think Assassin's Creed Origins needs to do? Because going back this late to tell the story of the origin of Assassin's Creed kind of doesn't make sense when you put it down on paper. Assassin's Creed has this habit of you know, when they try to introduce new gameplay mechanics, they have this habit of complicating things. So people don't really like that. The Hawk looks cool, like that type of thing looks all right. And like, I'm curious to see how the leveling up equipment and skills are going to go. Because Assassin's Creed is so story driven, it's so story based that they really just need a direction. You know, they had, uh, Black Flag was an excellent game. It was super good. And it looked like it was going somewhere and they had, you know, the, the past mechanics were fun, the future mechanics were fun, and it had a starting point and a stopping point. So it could technically, it could have stood on its own without even needing to be associated with the rest of it. But 
they need to they just need a direction like that's that's all assassin's creed fans really want is a direction because they keep having more games and they add on they add on because this is origins this isn't even like assassin's creed five or six or whatever number they're on it's just another side story but it need the story just needs to go somewhere it needs to go somewhere and we need to know that it has a point that we're not just going to be running in circles for the next 10 years playing this game after game or else they're going to end up running into the same problem that they did at the end of syndicate i agree because at this point in time a lot of people who if you're not a devoted assassin's creed follower and you haven't played every single game those subplots absolutely make no sense and it just really becomes kind of irritating side thing that you're trying to play and you're not familiar with the spec story or whatnot or you've missed this missed a chapter you missed a game or whatnot and you try to come back into it and just it takes you out of it it, it takes you really just out of the immersion that you're trying to stay with as far as the game is concerned and i don't know it just seems kind of weird that assassin's creed origins comes out and it's what the 10th or 11th ninth 10th 11th game of in the series oh i don't know actually because i know there's a bunch of handhelds so i don't know like what the continuity yeah. order is but yeah at least 10. you know there, there's been like you said the handheld versions and it's kind of irritating that they would go to something called the origins at this point in time but let's hope it's a great game and also as well wolfenstein to the new colossus but you're right, I think the one that's going to get the highest profile is Super Mario Odyssey. And who can blame it? Because the Switch actually is the best-selling system right now on the marketplace. There's still a lot of places that you can get Switches at. It's not as hot of a seller as the, the, the Wii in its heyday as of yet. But it may starting this this holiday. You never know. But it's still selling very strong. It's almost sold five million units worldwide, so and it probably has by now. So there's there's definitely a market for it, and definitely I think you're right. Nintendo puts that that seal of quality when it comes to Zelda and Mario, that it doesn't always put in other entities, but it really does try to make sure it dots the i's and crosses the t's when it comes to games with the Mario or Zelda label on it. And I think Mario is going to come out to very, very strong reviews and also very, very strong sales. People love Mario. Nintendo hardcores and non-hardcores alike, they all seem to gravitate towards Mario in a way that they may not gravitate to other video game entities. I expect strong things uh, out of Mario and be a major player this holiday season. As far as assassin's creed origins if it reviews well that's going to translate into a strong word of mouth and i think that will also do well if it does like we like we hope and we think it's going to be a, a, a great game now that they took some time off to to make assassin's creed origins and wolfenstein to the new colossus i'm hoping that they will continue this great narrative and it I think, like you said, it will be a slow burn and people will get into it. And by the end of its life, it will actually have very strong sales itself. So definitely looking forward to all three coming out in the biggest week of the year for video games. And I just tell you what, it's just big, heavy competition this week. And, and we're just excited for it. And hopefully you are as well. What are your thoughts on the biggest week of the year in video games? 
which game are you going to get? Are you going to get Wolfenstein 2 the New Colossus? Are you going to get Assassin's Creed Origins? Or are you going to get Super Mario Odyssey? All, maybe all three? Let us know. Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, Humanican Media, Game Source, and Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Twitter as well. And while you're there, share us your thoughts, which one you think is going to do best as well, because we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. It's going to be an awesome week for all of us gamers out there. So definitely looking forward to that. Coming up next, it's going to be Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. He's going to recap week seven with me as far as for you fantasy football owners out there. And we're going to close the show right after that with me and Josh talking about something he loves to talk about, some more Dark Tower. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back for more of the Pop Culture Cosmos show. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you hanging out with us. And it is week seven in the NFL. Oh, my gosh. What another great week it was. And here to recap it with me is the man with the legend behind fantasy football, although he didn't actually create it. He's just you know <laughs> trying to capitalize off of it. And props to him for that. It's our good friend. He is the, well, the proprietor of Fantasy Football Pater Podcast Facebook group, ffpater.com, and the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, which you can hear every Tuesday and Saturday on SoundCloud, Lipson, Overcast, Player.fm, and of course, Apple Podcasts. It's Tyler Baker. What's up, my friend? How are you, buddy? Um, it's going somewhere. I don't know quite where yet, but uh, we'll have to wait and see how everything shakes out because ESPN doesn't tell you, you know, that the results of your, your game until like Thursday and like, well, you won. Yeah, I know I already won, man. Or it's like, you lost. Yeah, I know. Don't rub it in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> tells me that like two, one or two days later, it just irritates me to no end, but yeah, it's, all doing, it's going all right. I feel very competitive. I, I, we yeah. may even be able to squeak it out, but we'll have to wait and see. But there's also a lot of other great things going on here in week seven in the NFL. More injuries. More uh, start off with. injuries, more pinchings, all of these things. So I guess the biggest one is Carson Palmer is done for the year. He yes. broke his arm, took a big hit on his non-throwing arm. He's done for the year. And so unfortunately, I think and, – and right after the Cardinals get Adrian Peterson to help fill that void that was left by, Dave, by the David Johnson injury, and then this happens. And I saw a post-game interview with Larry Fitzgerald, and you like they know. They know it's over. They know it's done. And uh, they're still going to go out there and be a professional football team because that's what they are. But they're done. 
And it's so sad. Right when it looked like things were turning around and right when it looked like they were going to get back on track, they lose their quarterback and such a shame. And Drew Stanton is exciting no one after especially what happened today in their game where they got shut out. Yeah. You think they can get Chris Johnson back off the bench again? <laughs> oh, actually, off the couch, as you off pointed the couch. out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding on that. But the Cardinals' outlook is very, very bleak at this point in time. But there are some yeah. other teams and other players you want to focus on. Not Jay Cutler, of course, because he also got hurt in today's action. He but got, there are other, some other games and players that you want to talk about that really, really did well this weekend. Yeah, Jay Cutler got hurt uh, two to three weeks is what I'm hearing. And interesting enough, you called last time we talked, you were talking about Cody Kessler. And perhaps, perhaps the Browns should consider it. Well, he threw uh, one less interception than Deshaun Kaiser. And that's a step yeah, in the right direction yeah. for Cleveland quarterbacks. That's all that, I want to say. That is, that is. And so I am now convinced that uh, Hugh Jackson is a pop culture cosmos listener because uh, halftime they came out and Kaiser threw that last interception, and Hugh Jackson said, "That's enough. Put Cody but Kessler." But Hugh, before you get fired, can you get <laughs> can you get your owner to go ahead and sponsor both of our programs? Yeah, right. You know, he is one in twenty-two as a head coach of the Cleveland Browns. That's what I'm saying. I don't. I, he is a he is an offensive genius uh, yeah, when he's assistant coach. But I think it's just one of those deals where a there's not enough talent, and b it could be a situation where. He's a great assistant coach, but as a head coach is kind of iffy. Just and there's so many like that that are out there. So it's not just him. Yeah, could be. I'm of the thought that perhaps they knew that they were gonna suck. So why fire him and get another guy? Just suck with Hugh Jackson. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, that's true, and and he's probably you know at, a, at it comes at a great price. And you know, if you fire him, you have to pay him so mm-hmm. continuously. So it all depends on the number of years he has and whatnot. So. I think they should go with Cody Kessler for right now, but that's just me. But we'll have well, they to haven't said anything that. about the next game. It is completely up in the air. Nobody knows what he's going to do. <laughs> well, another team before we want to go on to the other, some other great things that happened this, uh, this weekend. I want to ask real quick, your thoughts on the San Francisco 49ers that I don't know what's going on there. They were, they were lauded with such a great draft and, and, Things were looking supposedly up for this team. It's going to be a work in progress, mind you. But still, they're not even looking close. They're actually looking worse than last year at this point in time. Yeah, and talent-wise, they they are, they are deficient in the talent department. It's a rookie head coach, new system, trying to get that franchise back on track is going to take some time. It's it's going to take a couple of years. This is not like Sean McVay coming to the Rams. When Sean McVay came to the Rams – they had a pretty good team in place that just needed some, some offensive prowess. And Sean McVay brought that. The San Francisco situation is just completely different. It's not a talented team. It is a new system. I mean, C.J. Beathard is their quarterback. That's not he's, – he's not a solution. Brian Hoyer wasn't, wasn't a long-term solution. Brian Hoyer just had familiarity with that system that Shanahan likes to run. So they need a quarterback. And, of course, it's been rumored uh, that uh, they would love to get Kirk Cousins after this year. But they need a quarterback. They need to get some new young blood on the defense. And they've done that. You saw them get rid of Navarro Bowman. So things are happening in San Francisco, but it's not going to happen quickly. And they played a good Cowboys team today. So 
Uh, that they did, and I want to touch on that there here in a second. But the Rams also are looking pretty mm -hmm. strong, like you mm -hmm. mentioned, and could be a great sign for fantasy owners down the road. They are a good team. And I can tell you from watching Washington very closely, because I'm a Redskins fan, Sean McVay has a way of helping the game make sense to his players. And you take coach like, I mean, he's the anti-Jeff Fisher. So in all the ways that Jeff Fisher was deficient, Sean McVay excels. So he's getting the most out of guys like Tavon Austin. He's getting the most out of Jared Goff. And they brought in Wade Phillips to coach the defense. Yeah, <laughs> that's how you win football games. And I said it at the beginning of the season that this was a team that needed a guy like Sean McVay and he's come in and they're playing really well and they're getting better every week and more guys are presenting themselves as viable fantasy options. Unfortunately, the inconsistency with Sammy Watkins, I think you might have to get used to it, but Todd Gurley has sure made a turnaround and Jared Goff, it, he gets, he gets better every game, I think. Oh, that's some great signs indeed. And if you get a chance to go ahead and either pick one of those players up or mm -hmm. Cooper Cup, he might be a good back of the rotation guy as well because he scored over 10 points this weekend as well. So that's something definitely look forward to. But yeah. I want to ask, Dallas fans are now rejoicing all over the place because they see the light. They see everything is, is good so far as long as Ezekiel Elliott is not being suspended, and it looks like probably it's going to last through the season. What are the things that, that Dallas really, really is doing well at this point in time? Because Ezekiel Elliott is just really getting those numbers and starting to come on strong just like he did all throughout last year. And Dak Prescott, too, as well. Yes, yes. Yes. Well, it this offense runs through Ezekiel Elliott, and he is running so well. He's just a great running back. And that offensive line, we have seen a little bit of a regression, but when you have a running back that's that talented, he just makes good things happen. And and he's uh, catching balls out of the backfield as well. Des Bryant in this game, getting involved. Jason Witten, man, he looks so bad. Like, he looks so slow, and but he's open, and he catches the ball. So... Dallas is doing some things well, and yeah, Dak Prescott, no sophomore slump. I was expecting a little bit of a sophomore slump, not this year. No, as long as Ezekiel Elliott is on the field. When he's not on the field, I don't think it goes well for them. There's so much Absolutely. pressure taken off him, and, and yeah. just when he, Ezekiel Elliott's there, it makes it almost easy for Dak Prescott to go ahead and find his targets. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other things that you saw that stick out to you that you'll probably talk about on your Tuesday show coming up in the Fantasy Football Pater podcast? Well, I don't know how you win a game only th only attempting seven passes and completing four of them, but Chicago did it. <laughs> they beat the Panthers today. Mitch Trubisky attempted seven passes completed four of them for 107 yards, 104 yards. Now, one of those was a 70-yard touchdown to Tariq Cohen. So you take well, that He was away. trying to get his yards per per throw really up there. That'll do well, he it. He did it. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> so uh, Cam Newton, uh, unfortunately, turning the ball over, and two of those led to scores. So that was an interesting talking about what was Green Bay going to look like Without Aaron Rodgers, it wasn't good. Brett Hundley attempted 25 passes, completed 12 of them for 87 yards and an interception. 
So that is the new Green Bay Packers, and they were playing a, a Saints team that, again, I don't think their defense is very good. Drew Brees did manage to get things back on track. They've got Mark Ingram running really, really well, and I think that bodes well for fantasy because when you take Adrian Peterson out of that, it's just Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, and both of them are viable fantasy plays week to week. Indeed, uh, just some, some strong signs, whether or not that you'll see things long-term. Obviously, you'll let them know on your – Tuesday program Absolutely. or on your Saturday program, which you can catch on Apple Podcasts, Lipson, SoundCloud, Player.fm, and Overcast.fm. That's the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. If you guys or gals out there playing fantasy football have a question or a trade that's offered to you that you're not sure about or a lineup change that you're thinking about making, head on over to the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast Facebook group or also as well you can check out all the great articles that this man right here, Tyler Baker, does on ffpater.com. Tyler, it's been a great, great time indeed. Week seven is wrapping up here in the NFL, and there's just no one that covers it better than you, my friend. I really appreciate it, and shout out to all the guys that contribute to the Facebook group because when people get on there and ask questions, they do a really good job of answering them, and we don't always agree. And you might get two two different answers, but we will tell you why we are making the recommendations that we are. And uh, I just I I love our group. It's a good it's a good group of guys always contributing. It's it's cool. So if anybody has any fantasy questions, that's really the best place to get a hold of me and to get a hold of some really qualified opinions. Once again, that's Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, ffpater.com and the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast Facebook group. Check it out today. If you want to get the edge in fantasy football, you got to check out everything that he's offering indeed. Tyler, as always my friend, It's great talking to you. You too, man. I love coming on your show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're always welcome. You know you're part of the team, whether you like it or not, sucker. (laughs) I'm stuck. I'll tell you what. I'll uh, I'll end this segment in the probably the most current way I know, as I know how, with the latest Geico commercial by our good friend Skeletor, my man, as he says to He-Man, see you on the flip, suckers. (laughs) Nice. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Cornflake. So we host the Flopcast. We cover nerd and geek subjects of all types, but this is sort of a sillier, goofier side of geekdom, I'd say. We love to talk about music, especially funny music. We talk about comic books, conventions. Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, yeah. I'd say if you're going to put the Flopcast in Brady Bunch terms, we're like the Cousin Oliver of podcasting. (laughs) And we do a ridiculous new Flopcast episode every week. What is wrong with us? We really have nothing else to do. (laughs) We're part of the Earth Station One Podcast Network. And you can find us at Flopcast.net. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm here along with my good friend from Humanica Media. It's Josh Peterson. Josh, uh, it was just an article that we you know, both noticed a, a while back, but it seems to came back again because a lot of outlets seem to pick up on it this weekend that the Dark Tower 
as noted by the author himself, Stephen King, is headed towards a TV makeover. And we th- we knew this in the that was going to be in planning stages for a long time now. But because of the lack of success of the movie that came out at the beginning of August, it looks like it's going to be a total and complete reboot as opposed to be an extension of what we saw in theaters. So I ask you, Josh, what are your thoughts on a Dark Tower reboot? And do you think it's the right step in the direction for Sony? And of course, also as well, this incredible, detailed and full of life property of Stephen King. Well, it kind of seems like their only option right now, because I mean, they took so much of the like main plot points from the Dark Tower series, and they put them into this hour and a half movie and it just didn't come out the way that it was supposed to. So, you know, that's all I can say is that it going forward, if they really want to captivate the audience and do it right, they would almost need to make it into a TV show and have to start over. And that also leaves a concern that if they're going to do this, they need to put it onto a network where they're free to explore the violence and the darkness of the Dark Tower series instead of editing and sugarcoating and stuff like that because that is part of the the impact of the books that is so dark and it's so you know so shocking and horrifying to read that that's what kind of what sets the tone for that world i think it should be a great thing for netflix to get its hands on that's my personal thing uh my personal preference would be for for to go to netflix or an hbo like you said because it has a lot of stuff that's nsfw if you're treating it exactly like the the way that that stephen king wrote the book but also as well the properties from it could you also uh, you, you know you've talked before about the how the dark tower is such a pinnacle as far as the stephen king universe and that it leads and branches out into so many different directions within the stephen king realm i want to ask you should a reboot and a tv series actually come to fruition should they touch on all those different entities and properties, even just mentioning it or leading into it in some form or fashion? Yeah, I would hope so, because that's kind of, I think that that would actually be a great selling point if people knew that these universes were all connected by the Dark Tower. It would not only be a great way to bring people into the show and the, and the movies, but it would also be a great way of getting people to pick up more of the books because it kind of makes sense after that. But I, I want to also say that if you do those lead-in properties, it also brings life to those older properties that I know Stephen King got the rights back to, Christine, uh, The Thing, uh, and you know just so many of those older movies that Cujo, everything that he got those property rights back. If he puts that into a Dark Tower reboot, that could bring life back to those films and you know, if they're hinted at in the show, could eventually lead to a rebooted film of their own. Hey, it would be a great way to make money, too. Like, uh, you want to gauge an interest in Stephen King properties? Let them know everything's connected, and then we'll see, you know, we'll see how it all comes together. Because shared universes are the thing in this time and day, so, uh, you know, letting people know that Stephen King is basically a shared universe would be one way to sell tickets and definitely garner interest in more movies. Well, I wouldn't say as far as the whole thing. I mean, I, I would say if you had a Dark Tower TV series that led into other things as far as, let's say, like Cujo. Let's take Cujo, for instance. Cujo's uh, something 
I don't think it would do well if we were to go back onto the big screen. But if it was, let's say, a Netflix property or the Dark Tower series was an HBO property and you would lean into a Cujo movie on those platforms, I think it would do really well as far as streaming-wise. That's what I was trying to say. I don't think all the properties, if they're rebooted, would be doing well at the box office. And I think you and I have both seen that over the past couple of months. Not every Stephen King property should be rebooted and should be on the big screen at some point in time. But a lot of these properties do very well once they hit TV. And I think Mr. Mercedes on the audience network is proving that there is an audience for it, but it's not necessarily on the big screen for not all, but some of those Stephen King properties. Right, and you know, Stephen King has some, not everything he writes is connected, but like you have The Stand and Salem's Lot, and there's another one that's based on vampires, and I can't well, remember Well, you said it called. is also connected to it pet cemetery you know even there's some mention of children on the corn like it's all the monsters in stephen king's universe exist because of the what's happening to the dark tower and even if there's no like mention of that stuff in future movies it's still cool to know that that's what is going on i'm hoping that a tv reboot will do just that if given the proper amount of time proper amount of content and the proper platform, I think it will do really well and lead into a lot of other things that could be shown on that network as well and not necessarily put up on the big screen. Because as you and I have noted, Stephen King properties are a hit and miss when it comes to that platform. But in a smaller format, they seem to be doing very well. So definitely something to look forward to when The Dark Tower comes to a small screen near you. Share us your thoughts on a possible TV reboot of The Dark Tower. Is it something that would gain your interest this time as opposed to a lot of people that didn't see it on the big screen? Is it something you really want and clamor for if it's done correctly over the course of an entire season? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Twitter as well. And you also think that it would be a great way to reintroduce a lot of the properties, the smaller, the older, the lesser known properties that Stephen King has if it gets tied into a Dark Tower TV reboot. Share us your thoughts on that. We'd love to hear from you. So, Josh, any last thoughts on the way out on another great episode? We want to thank Tyler Baker for stopping by and also just just a uh, – great great time as far as talking about all the great stuff that's going on this week yeah and don't forget that um you know the pcc and humanican media are also a shared universe so you know that is correct if you like going back and listen to some of that stuff uh feel free to do so absolutely that's going to be on humanican media channels on podbean youtube podcast.com and apple podcasts also as well the pop culture cosmos show and the pcc multiverse we're on so many of the outlets just type in pop culture cosmos and comes right up on apple Podcasts. also many other outlets that are out there and don't forget our tuesday night show on the podcast radio network the attack of the humanicans starring this man right there josh peterson at 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific on the podcast radio network Uh, We'll be talking to you on the PCC Multiverse on our Friday shows. Definitely looking forward to that indeed. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. 
it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos we thank you for listening and here's hoping you have yourself a great day this has been a broadcast of the eso network your station for all things geek classic current and beyond be part of the crew at esonetwork.com tangent bound network let your voice be heard tangentboundnetwork.com thanks so much for downloading the pop culture cosmos as a special treat we're adding a bonus episode which starts right now so sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the pop culture cosmos family and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Super. Super. Welcome back to Super BS, Blessing of the Animals upon you all today. Um, I just wanted to check in with you guys. We've been here through uh, rain and snow and sleet and hail and all that good stuff uh, to bring you the news that we love and that we love to talk about. So we've been gone for a couple weeks and we're back and there's a lot to cover. So who's joining me today on my left, Deepu? Donna. Madonna. My lady Madonna. How you been? Good. Just uh, living the dream? Living, living the... Uh post massive cardiac surgery dream that's what we all <laughs> hope to dream about someday and uh, who's across from us it's uh jank jankerson <laughs> george george hey dude for real it's been a it's been a long time since the original dudes were together i know super bs soon we'll this have is, to get some uh it's like a reunion episode i don't want to give people too much of a spoiler in our lives but maybe a rose parks and a old church scenario <laughs> oh yeah uh, we know what that means dave plug your ears for this bit so that you don't hurt your feelings <laughs> dave uh sorry we, we didn't we're say the that original crew <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, I there has him. been so much gaming stuff that as much as I want to talk about Blade Runner with you guys, I think we'll probably Eric have hasn't seen, or Donna hasn't seen it yet. I know, but I just want to talk about it, whether we talk about like what's know, in the movie or not. So just the imagery good. is so cool. But, um, let's talk about games cause we've probably been playing a ton of stuff. What have you been playing Donna? Um, in the last man, three or yeah, four the last weeks, three or four weeks so much. Um, let's see. I've been playing, uh, the Witcher two, um, which has been which has been pretty cool. I think there is um, one of the issues. I don't. Really, it's not really an issue that I have with it, but it's something that I think we're going to talk about later today. Um, with the concept of perfect playthroughs and games, you know, really relying on that kind of thing and and the pros and frustrations that go with that. But uh, overall, it's a it's a cool game. Um, and uh, so yeah, I've been playing Witcher Two. Is that the last one that came out? No, Witcher Three is the, okay. the one that came out. Um, Witcher Three, I think, is supposed to be the better game, and I've heard that Witcher Two is supposed to be the better story. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I've been playing that quite a bit. Um, let's see, did we talk about the Project Octopath demo? Was that in the last? I think we may have talked about that it came out, but I don't okay. actually think we played it. Yeah, so point. I played that. And that's amazing. Uh, have only. All I can say is that I really just freaking can't wait for the game. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Um, been playing a little bit of, of Terra Battle 2 um, and actually regular Terra Battle. 
to go in phases with that with that game. Um, Terra Battle Two is really interesting. It's it, it seems, um, and I'm not very far. I think they've only released like four chapters of it thus far, but it's weird because you you basically have like actual party member characters that are like part of the story, and then. Um, uh, and then all of the like grab bag characters where you like, you know, st- like use energy to buy cool looking characters and stuff. They those are all like equipped as guardians for your characters. But the story of the game involves like actual characters. So whereas the first Terra battle, you sort of like the game is all from like a first person perspective. And then you just put together a party of characters. Um, this game, it's like there's main characters that you like you adventure with and then all of the like crazy looking characters and and that stuff are characters that you equip on them for extra abilities how bad um, are the gotcha mechanics in that because i know japanese ios games and what do you mean by gotcha mechanics like uh you pull a lever normally and you'll get a new character or you'll get this and the characters normally have a rating of like one through five or um, a through s the terror battle i think has been has been generally speaking a lot more fair with that kind of stuff yeah. because um yeah, so it, there's never really like because they what they what they've always done um, in the first game and the second game is they do events where and in the the currency I mean you can buy currency f- to download characters but you never need to because you get it just by logging in so they do lots of specials where it'll be like they'll say like okay if you if you do like get a character ten times in a row on this date your chances for rare characters is like tripled and so they they or you're guaranteed to get at least two ultra rare characters like they it's pretty easy to not like spend money or feel like you're getting ripped with characters and stuff in those games yeah i just Um, i don't know if you got a chance to play fire emblem heroes oh it's nothing like that yeah Yeah. because i i kind of bounced off that for i just didn't care about the oh you have a four star Lynn, well, you need a five-star S-rank Lynn to be yeah. able to do this. So, like, oh, so in Terra, in Terra Battle, characters have specific ratings. They don't like. Here's your A plus version of the same character. Like okay. you got the C version. They have their characters are divided into like rankings. So it's like this character is only like a Z character, and this person is only like an S character, and this person is only a B. Okay. So it's like you won't, you don't ever like have to deal with. Um, getting someone like getting a character that you want and then getting a bad version of it. They don't do that. Oh, okay. So they, I think they all have like equal stats and stuff as far as I know. And if you ever draw a same character twice, you usually get level up and stat bonuses for the character that you've already drawn. Okay. Um, Terror Battle 2 is a little different because since the characters you draw are guardians, essentially, um, you can draw multiple of the same character and then you can use those two to level each other up. Um, so it's kind of it's it's a diff- it's a little bit of a different concept, but um, besides the game that you and I both beat just last week, have you been playing anything else? Because we'll talk about that, but we'll probably get a little bit deeper into that. Oh one. yeah, um, let's see if I've been playing anything else. You did Witcher two and did Witcher two Terra Battle Terra Battle Project Octopath Terra Battle two Project Octopath a little bit of Undertale. Um, did you end up getting any of the recent indie games on Switch? No. Okay. I haven't. Uh, I actually haven't turned on my Switch in a while because oh, I've been playing Witcher. It's okay, man. You got Super Mario Odyssey coming out. So. Yeah. 
I do. I am really interested in Stardew Valley on Switch. Yeah. That seems like the system to have it on. Is that out yet? Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. I, oh. yeah. I actually picked it up. I'll talk a little bit about it in my thing. But um, we um, have... what else I was going to say? I picked up the the season pass version of Final Fantasy 15 to play uh, all that stuff. Oh, really? But I haven't actually done it yet. Is Comrades up yet or is that this week or I next week? I think it's week? a beta. Okay, because I think the multiplayer like actual thing releases it's in like, like October 29th yeah. or something like that. Oh, okay, so yeah. it's a couple weeks from now. But that's it's like a you know how we were talking about um, like what took place while Noctis was you know in that ten years. Yeah, I guess what, that's where the game takes place, and that's cool. That's a really good idea. Yeah, I think. Um, Josh, what have you been playing, man? So I've been playing a so besides Final Fantasy. Um, the Zodiac Age, which I want to talk to you guys about oh later. Um, no I've been playing that. a little indie game called Maze. Okay. And it's by Finish Line M-A-I-S-E. M-A-I-Z. It's actually about corn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's about sentient corn. Oh, it's that game. Yeah. Oh, we were joking, actually. Wow. Yeah, I got, yeah. A, I got a free <laughs> review code for it, so I've been playing it's that. It's like a shooter, right? Yeah, well, I it's like, it. so it's really about corn. It's real. So <laughs> I was you're, just making a pun. Yeah, so the, I, I was doing the, that too, and then I forgot. You're on top of an underground research facility, and they're making sentient corn. Okay. And so the corn is basically like so. The whole game is like a, a maze slash puzzle solving game, and the corn is are basically the bad guys. And Monsanto is the good guy because <laughs> exactly. he makes all the corn. Yes. Um. But yeah, it's. It's fun. It's challenging. It's funny. Yeah. It's definitely well written. It's kind of got that. Um, I guess you could call it a Borderlands vibe to it, as far as the writing goes. But it, so most of it's trash, and there's a few, <laughs> a few funny jokes. It's just a lot of people out. saying really random things. Okay. But it's uh, yeah. I mean, I've I didn't play all the way through it, but it's you know it, the puzzles get harder and harder as you go, and there's a lot of. Um, a lot, a lot of things that you have to like really be observant to solve. Okay. And um, that's you know, not your skill. That's huh? <laughs> not, not my skill. Not, and unfortunately, like it's one of those games where not a lot of people have played it, so you can't go online and Google like how to how to beat how to beat this part. So I kind of, uh, you know, it took me a few tries to get past some of the stuff. But it's you know I, I don't really have that much to say about it at the moment, but because I'm still trying to get through it. But yeah, it's, it's been fun so far. Any other games? I know you mentioned Zodiac Age and that, but anything else? I mean, it's been a week. I know we did a mini BS, but we really didn't talk a ton about other stuff. You mentioned Forza to us. Yeah, so I bought Forza, and I I just I haven't had time to play it, though. Because oh, you're lending out your consoles to other my people console. like a weirdo. Yeah. How, how many of your friends come up to you and say, hey, can I just borrow your Xbox? Dude, you Actually, uh, we have a friend. He offered to lend me his PS4 so I could play Persona. Who? Duck. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome of him. But I, I just be surprised. I like, people don't want to spend money on consoles. No, so I don't. They... I'm not surprised. I just like, it's such a, for me, like a console is such a personal thing. It's like, I would lend somebody my Vita to play Undertale, which I've offered to do to another member of the show. Um, but it's. I just feel outside of like handhelds, like the actual console, you don't want to move it a bunch because it could break. Like we have a friend who dropped his 360 and like his disk drive essentially didn't work. Jeez. Wait. Uh, Nathan. So yeah, he dropped then like I think Call of Duty was in it and that game got stuck in there for a while. I had to get his disk drive fixed. And that's just because he moved it occasionally. He used to move it from like one room to the other so we could all play games together. So Hey, but for real though, remember back in the day when everyone was landing landing their Xboxes up together? Like Yeah, that's they 
transported just fine. Well, back yeah, then. that's because that thing was like a hulking brick that probably could have <laughs> survived. It really was. It probably would have gone through a wall and still worked. I <laughs> think that that was probably the heaviest console that has ever been out. The yeah, original it Xbox. must have been at least 20, 25 pounds, oh, maybe it was even. Crazy. Might heavy. might have only been fifteen, but it really is heavy. Like it's yeah. not like. You don't. You can carry one hand, but it's not advised. No. Yeah. Um. So nothing else besides those. You no. want to mention Zodiac Gauge a little bit? Okay. Yeah. So you know, I I talked to you guys about this. I kind of got stuck, so I was asking for you guys' advice. But I was basically I was talking to Eric before we or Donna. Sorry. Before we, <laughs> I keep doing that. Thank you, you for adding name. time you to my name. flipping editing, um. <laughs> which I probably won't do because I don't have time. I don't really care. <laughs> but yeah. So. But you know, we were, we were talking about Van Vaughn. How do you Van Vaughn? Vaughn. That's why I yeah. say his name. He's he. It bothers me that he is. He doesn't really serve a purpose in the game besides just watching what everybody else is being going sweet through. Sweet eye and, candy uh, <laughs> and being Pinello's sweet bow. Yeah, but they like is that even a thing? Like it is, is that, a thing, but it's weird because again, you can kind of tell. Like I was saying earlier that. That Vaughn and I think Pinello as well were basically like the last characters created. Like yeah. the third time they made them refocus the game and drove the precious creator <laughs> insane. That's insane, literally. Um, speaking of, just as two side tangents of things that are awesome, um, that guy Matsuno, he he just had his his like story mission and chapter come out for Terra Battle. Oh, that's cool. It's got his art style. Well, he doesn't do the art, but I think he like hires somebody that he works with always. Yeah, and it's got like it's like a whole like kind of side chapter in Terra Battle. And also, Final Fantasy fourteen has a bunch of raids in Rabbit Naster. Oh, um, oh yeah, I heard about really? that. Yeah, which is cool. That's the the online game does. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's like a thing this week that came out with an update. Um, in the ruins of Ravenaster. They don't take place in the same world, so I'm not sure why, like how you get there or whatever, but it's kind of cool. Um, yeah, that game seems like it's getting tons of content. Yeah, 14, 14, yeah. yeah 11 is, is still it, getting content. Is it free? No, no, no. It's one of the few games that's able to hold a subscription. I think It and WoW are the only two I know of that yeah. still are able to get people to pay money. But for the most, but I mean, it, what's nice is that I don't, there's not loot boxes in Final Fantasy 14. <laughs> oh yeah, we got to talk about so, that today. Truth, stupid loot You know, like I'd future. rather, I'd rather, uh, I'd rather pay 50, I mean, I like, if I had a PS4 or a, or a high running computer, like I would have never ended my subscription for Final Fantasy 14 because it's a fun game. It's I, really great. I just yeah. wish they'd drop the subscription prices. I know they never would, but like to five or 10 bucks a month because I still yeah. feel it's, like it's, it's like 13. What is it right now? It's 15. 15 because 11 was like 12.99 a month. Yeah, or but, right? but, but then plus more for yeah. depending on your characters. Yeah, you want to have multiple characters. I don't think 14 does that, right? I think no. you just pay a set fee and you can make as many people so, yeah. as you want. Can you play it by yourself or do you have to? 14? Yeah. So 14 okay. is kind of the opposite of 11 where as 11 is like super community based which is has its pros i mean 11 is still going and getting i got an email for new content for 11 today um which i haven't played 11 in years but um it's very much like a party game where you know and 14 is similar but what they've done is that basically most of your like main missions are solo like your job missions and all that kind of stuff and then when you need to party up it just does it for you um, so you don't have to like deal with, you know, like waiting for a party. Um, sometimes it, like if you want to go do a dungeon or an instance or whatever, like you can go there and sign yourself up for a queue. And as soon as you have a party available, like it, it will, it will match for you so much easier. I hated in 11, how 
Like when, when I had to go from one area to the next and I had to go through like a higher level area, I would just run and just pray that nothing chased after me. I would yeah. be like, there's no like caravan or anything that just takes you. No, through there is. No. You have to, you have to walk everywhere. And then like when I wanted to, needed to do a mission, I would just sit. What was that the, that big old city where the marketplace was um, uh, everyone congregated to, you know, yeah. Shoot something. I, I think, That's where the air, where like we first see airships. Yeah, yeah. And so like I would just get there and I would try to send spam messages out to people saying, "Hey, can you help me do this quest? Hey, can you help me do yeah. this quest?" And like it just took so long to yeah. do anything. There's lots of guilds in Final Fantasy 14. They don't call them guilds. I forget what they call them, but there's lots of that too, where it's kind of like you can just kind of be in your guild chat wherever you want. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of like people that have guilds that are like this is for casual people or this is for like like I remember the last time I got into it because I've had two I've played that game twice essentially where I had like a, a like a six month period where I was playing it a bunch and then I had another six month period where I was playing it a bunch um, but I remember when I joined back that second time I found a guild of people that's like this is for people that have like our guild is for people that have played the game but are kind of took a break and just trying to get back into it kind of thing and very specific i know yeah <laughs> but uh but generally speaking you're not wanting for um like the the game is really good about letting you do all of its content without it being a super grind fest and then there's the end game things if you want to do it like you know okay see, I so like it's that. like that that convinces me to maybe go pick it up and try it yeah it's a it's a rad game i i really miss playing it um and it's it's fun it's a lot of fun and it's cool what was i going to say it's not like 11 well, how does it work i'm trying to think i think you have as many jobs as you want is yeah. that what you're talking and about that's how like 11 it. is as well okay um where you can like with 11 you can you just make one character and you can switch jobs once you reach a certain point and, and then you, you can level keep, them all up right you level them all up yeah that's pretty cool um that's the thing that interested me the most about the final fantasy online games yeah. i i just have such hard time with mmorpgs period that it's yeah. it's hard for me to like like jump in yeah i i enjoyed uh world of warcraft for season two but yeah, just fun. for me blizzard games i don't like their art style or their music or their aesthetics rarely so it was a great design game like every blizzard game but i yeah. just didn't whereas 14 you know it looks like you know, it's like an old school Final, Final Fantasy. Fantasy. It's got like weird technology and then it's medieval and it's got cool looking races and classes and monsters and just art direction and it's got great music. So, yeah, um, they have like a f more than four disc soundtrack for that, right? I, think so, yeah. I know in Final Fantasy 15, there's like at least one four disc compilation you can get of it for the car. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, the 15 soundtrack is weird and I know this because I buy video game soundtracks. And I own 15 soundtracks. I meant the in-game soundtrack. Oh, where yeah, Remember yeah. you buy the CDs at the stores and yeah. then you put them in the car? I think 14 had four different discs. Oh, and that yeah. was a still selection yeah. from it. Is it. Well, 15's kind of like a greatest hits of all the Final Fantasies. Well, for the soundtracks specifically, yeah. yeah but in a, in a lot of ways, yeah. But anyways, you yeah. wanted to mention something about the Final Fantasy 15 soundtrack? Oh, I own it. And you to get... Like, you could only... There's only one version of the soundtrack that comes with the the old tracks... And it's like a weird download that I, just, I don't have that. I just have the main soundtrack. It's four discs. Oh, that's crazy. So real quick, though, back to the uh, 12. Because you were telling me something interesting about the characters. Um, yeah, I believe the game was originally designed to be, uh, was written to be about Bosch. Yeah. And then that was too dark or something. And then 
they made him rewrite it to be about Balthier. Um, and you can tell all these things too, like yeah. they left certain aspects. Um, and in. then, and then finally, it was like, oh, we need some, we need a character, like a main character that Japanese teenage boys will identify with. Um, and so that's why they made Vaughn, and they made him like, I pretty much last, I think. Um, but as much as I hate Vaughn, I do love the way they introduce both Balthier and Bosch. Yeah. Where if they, if Balthier or Bosch were the main characters, like. I feel like you wouldn't get that really cool introduction that you got. You know, that's true. And I, I actually don't hate Vaughn. Yeah, he's I just, just dumb. Like that's um, my only I complaint. Just, I want him to serve a purpose. Yeah. Uh, I, I for guess. me, for me, um, it's just sort of like at some point, you know, I don't know how many new Final Fantasy fans are developing. Like, I don't know if like the generation of kids in Japan now and the generation of kids in America now really you know, give a shit about Final Fantasy. Yeah. So that's why I wish, you know, and I, I think they kind of did it with 15, even though they're all still pretty young. I feel like I wish it would just grow up a little because it's fan base, you know, like most of us are almost 30. Yeah. And like, those are the people that grew up with Final Fantasy. And one of the coolest things about RPGs... It's 30th is, anniversary in yeah. America this year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one of the coolest things about it is identifying with your characters. And when it's constantly... Like, this is why I don't play Tales games because it's constantly like... 17-year-old amnesia boys with superpowers, and it's like, ah, it's so boring. Um, I, that's also why I love Lost Odyssey Yeah, from uh, Miss Walker. Time. That was a great with, yeah. game. Do you, um, do you think that if they stopped doing numbered entries in Final Fantasy that it would bring more fans? No. Like fans oh, no. It? I don't want... I like the numbered or entries, if they, to be honest. if they reset them. Uh, that would be weird. I don't think they need to reboot. I think the way the design of it is so cool. It's kind of like Twilight Zone. You know, you could have infinite Twilight Zone episodes, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't ever be bad because they're all kind of separate stories that are self-contained. Yeah. Like, I don't think you need a Final Fantasy unless, reboot. Unless you're the gamer.net or yeah. <laughs> .com, and you know things that we don't. Yeah. Real, real quick, though, I, I do want to move uh, pretty quick because we got tons of news to cover, but one last thing about 12. I think, the and this might start a bigger conversation, <laughs> but... I think they could have even just made instead of Vaughn like a create your own character and it wouldn't have changed the game that drastically because that's true. Vaughn was such a blah no one that But stuff like that is games. hard um, with just because it could almost be like it's like when you do stuff like that it's harder to have voice acting it's harder oh, to yeah. have like you know like that kind of focus I mean that's one of the reasons that I just basically skipped Xenoblade Chronicles X uh, yeah because it, I don't and I hate it a lot but I think Vaughn I don't remember almost any of his lines in the game to the point of where, like, well, I think uh, you could What's the one where you go around saying that you're Bosch or whatever? Oh, um, that's the... Bosch du- von I'm Ronsenberg. Bosch von Ronsenberg. Well, so they, they keep trying to make him relevant by having these moments, like these father-son moments between him and Bosch or him and Baltier. Yeah. And that that's really the only emotional depth that he has. Is Do they, you remember the, the Mega 64 video where... They did that. They go around they and dressed doing up it? as Vaughn, and they went just to random people and did that. No, I think I've seen it once. But oh it's, man, that's man, a great one. That, I watched. I watched a new one of theirs where they do Mario Odyssey. No, I've not seen that no, one. I'm, t- I'm saying I watched oh, it, and they like throw the hat on people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um, the last new one I saw from them was their Deus Ex, where they're hacking everything. Oh, okay. it's a really funny, just like them walking around hacking everything. <laughs> Were um, you there when we were right next to them at Disneyland once in line no. for Space Mountain? No, no, no. I didn't at all. say anything because you never know if. I mean, they're yeah, not cool. really no. celebrities, but they are crazy. You the never know. <laughs> you never know if someone is like going to cool. be upset that yeah. you're like bothering them or not. But yeah, they they seem like cool guys. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, Jake, what have you been playing? 
Oh, that's right. I'm here. Um, <laughs> yes. I've been playing Undertale just uh, at the very end. Um, uh, just beat uh, Metatron, or was that? Oh, yeah, Metaton. Metaton. I think it's Metron or yeah, Metron, but it's oh, it's great, Val. He was pretty funny, and then his uh, his second phase was pretty fun. Um, it was actually pretty hard. Um, yeah. Oh, the dodging. Which part? What was the second phase? Is that the one where you have to get the ten thousand points? The ten thousand viewer ratings. Um, oh, that's awesome. And it starts off hard right away. Um, and when if you're tra- playing the the true pacifist way, which is what 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 I'm playing. Um, yeah. That's what, (laughs) unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, when you play a game a year and a half after it's out, um, you kind of know, you get to read and know how you want to play because uh, for anyone that doesn't know anything about it, when you get to the end of the game, they do a spin where it's like, oh, you're your level is an acronym for like love of killing or something. Yeah. And, and your experience points is for like enemies executed or something like that. And, uh, yeah, it's silly. And so it, it puts a whole twist on you if you were to actually fight people. So, um, but I knew that going into it again, probably, uh, probably a, a bummer in the end, but, uh, so I got, to, I knew to play true pass this way. Cause, um, I guess that almost takes away from replay value because had I had I played the first time and killed everyone and then that was revealed, it'd be like, oh, okay, I'll play it. Uh, I'll play it the pacifist way. But I knew, and now I'm just being redundant. And um, no, I mean it's it's cool. I totally, I kind of did the same thing. I learned about it. I'm glad though. I knew that. I think I would have been angry. And on top of that, I know that they, if you play. Um, not pacifist, but if you play the other way first and then come back, they'll actually comment on it, which is cool. And it's fun that people found that, but you know, I mean, we both did play it late and I played it the way I wanted to though. I would rather play it on a console. Like I played on Vita and PS4. Mm. I'd much rather play on both of those than on PC where I just don't feel comfortable. Agreed. So. Some games just don't cause I wasn't a PC gamer for so long and you guys all know that, but yeah, then I kind of became one out of necessity cause that's what I was on all the time. And then, um, they finally made a system I thought worthy of buying again with the switch. Um, yeah. So I'm finally stoked about it again. Um, yeah. And PC gaming great. I just, it's for me like sitting behind a desk that normally is when I have to do work, yeah. not when I get to I do fun stuff. So we'll see. Although I think, I mean, it's just my my guess, but I think the Switch is... I, oh, I've talked about it a bunch of times. I think it's how things got to go eventually. Um, yeah. I mean, we talked about like the point of diminishing returns, like how good can you make the graphics, and then eventually you can make them so that it's all on a handheld, and then you can just switch at any time, which is perfect. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I hope they do that, but we'll see. I still think... With how many PS4 sold and still the Xbox Ones, we're not going to see the end of the console life cycle anytime soon. No, not soon, but I'm thinking maybe not next gen, but the following. But, hey, I don't really care either way. <laughs> I just yeah, I think I mean, it's, it's a prediction. Yeah, as long as they have good stuff coming out, um, I'm always stoked on it. I know you said that you haven't had a ton of free time. Have you got a chance to look into anything, even if you haven't played anything that's really exciting you? It's a crazy month for releases. No, just uh, – I've – just was seeing what's out, like what what's cool and what's on the cheaper end. And you'd mentioned Golf Story, and other people yeah. had, so I checked it out, and I'll probably pick that. I can't even play my Switch till next month with my birthday. Uh, but, yeah, uh, birthday boy. 
my wife's like, no, you you get to wait. I was like, okay. Uh, oh um, man, that sucks. I'm sorry. Married life. <laughs> I know uh, that's. Uh, no, it's not that. I mean, it just sucks. You have to wait. It is a great thing. But you know, whatever. You'll have a lot of fun if you wait. You can also have Super Mario Odyssey when you open it. Like I know. that I, comes out. So and that and uh, Breath of the Wild. So I I got to read up on uh, the DLC that came out for it. And do you know how many deal how much they're gonna come out with? They're only doing two DLC packs. The negative is you have to buy both of them to get one or the other. And the first one is kind of like, it's not really great. So I'm waiting to see what the second one is before I, I buy it. It's 20 bucks. It's not the end of the world. But I just the first one is just a bunch of like supplemental stuff that wasn't like add-on story or right, right, really, right. really cool stuff. The second one sounds like it might be a lot uh, more hefty. Sounds like you are you might even have like playing as those, there's like, champions in the game they're calling it the champions pack so i assume it's has something to do with them which could make it really really cool but we'll we'll see man i mean that game has so much content like i put in about 80 100 hours and i i even though i 100 percent all the shrines and i i didn't get 100 percent of the korok seeds though and i didn't upgrade the armor fully those things would have taken another 20 to 30 hours easy yeah so it's a long game and and that's again that's another reason why i got it is i mean you get a few long games and that's that's a year's worth. You get me two or three long games, and that's all I can fit in a year right these days right now. Oh, yeah, and there's just so many good games. I'm sure we're going to have an end-of-the-year discussion about just this year in gaming, but this has been an insane year. When it comes to game and qu- games and quality and quantity, it's it's insane. It's crazy. Um, I know. I was talking with a, another buddy of mine, Connor, um, and we were talking about Breath of the Wild and how it was definitely like a, a good step in the right direction where they tried to kind of, I, they successfully brought new life <laughs> into the, into the, the game, which is funny cause I haven't even played it, but I've watched plenty of videos and other people play it by now. But, um, he was talking about how it succeeded with breath of wild, but he, we were talking about, uh, Mario and how that looks really cool to me, but he was like, it just didn't do it for him. And that was actually kind of surprising oh, really? to me. And, and I mean, he says it's too early. The game's not out yet. But yeah. it's always a little tough when uh, when you try and refresh something, but uh, I think it's a, it's a risk worth taking. And I think Mario Odyssey is going to do it just fine. Oh, it's going to be amazing, man. I cannot <laughs> wait for the 27th. Well, anyways, we're going to be jumping back to the news. It was awesome talking to you. We'll be seeing you next week again, I'm sure, my Jakey Poo, if not for another mini BS mm-hmm. in the short beach, time. Beach Rip! <laughs> okay. Now, anyways, I want to get back to... Uh, <laughs> Everybody will know what that means soon. Um, I want to get back to what I've been playing real quick, and there's a, a game that we probably will spend quite a bit of time talking about, so I'm going to rush through some of the others. I played, uh, been playing Golf Story. It's really cool. Golf okay, RPG. How, how is that? It's it's really good, and we talked about this on Mini BS. It is very similar to the uh, game. I didn't actually play him, but the Mario Golf from Game Boy Advance, I guess. So you like level up all your golf skills and you run around. The only beef I have with the game is I kind of just want to play it. And there is a an insane amount of dialogue, like to the point where I'm just like trying to skip stuff because even though it's funny and clever and catchy, there's just too much of it. I just want to play golf. And sometimes there's like 10 minutes of dialogue scenes you have to get through to play golf again. Is it? I don't want to interrupt you, but yeah. is it like like Pokemon? How like you go out into the wild and all of a sudden you get challenged to a Pokemon no. battle by Gary? No, but no, no. Is it's it, a golf match. Is it like Kirby's Dream Course where you are the golf? 
Yes. Uh, no, but they do have really clever things. Like you get into the secret room and it's a mini golf course and then you have to go play mini golf. I mean, it's a really fun game. I definitely suggest you Are play there it. windmills? Does it like... Uh, they do not have windmills. Okay. I also want to talk about the other game I played for that, SteamWorld Dig 2, which was really, really good. I think I may have even... I mentioned it to you guys, but I can't remember if I, we, we mentioned it on Super BS previously. It might be my favorite indie game I've played on Switch. It's... I'm trying to think, but it is, it's really, really high up there. It's just so much fun. I beat it in about six to eight hours, and my biggest critique is it felt too short. Like, I just want to keep playing, but I didn't really have a reason. Um, I've also played Deus Ex Mankind Divided, a game from last year. That's awesome. I definitely suggest people pick it up. It's a really cool, like, story-based game. looks amazing. I don't really play a ton of Xbox games anymore. Tried Destiny 2. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit, but played a little bit more of it. It's same destiny not really anything that's my cup of tea um and there's more games than that but the real game i want to talk about that uh both me and donna beat was cuphead yes probably one of my favorite games of this year this year's been so crazy i don't even i don't even know if i can say that anymore because there's been so many good games oh man cuphead was amazing oh the aesthetic i'm still playing it oh you are yeah i've been uh i go through the I'm trying to get black and white mode, so... Oh, doing uh, the platforming level without yeah. getting hit? Well, no, it's not without getting hit. It's without shooting anything. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, which is almost equally as hard. Yeah, it's actually really hard. I've done three of them. How can you do that? Some of the guys require that you kill them, like their walls. There's one level that you can do it without so, doing that? No, so basically, um, you have you have to have the invisible dash. Oh, okay, and you equipped. can dash through them? Sometimes. Sometimes you just have to take a hit, but you can... Um, like in the carnival level, yeah. Um, like there's a guy, the slot machine thing, or the whatever it is, or the like, you can dash through him, but I I think the the hitbox for him is it's so hard to get it exactly right that I almost always take a hit okay. on him. Um, but a lot of for a lot of it, you can da- like you can jump dash over these people. Um, the hardest one is. There's that machine that cranks out the acorn bombs in yeah. the uh, the first forest follies. Yeah, I want to say it's first. Yeah, one, right? and uh, for that you have to. There's these mushroom guys on the ledge before, and you have to wait for them to shoot a pink cloud at you, and parry so that it. you can parry oh, over it. So there's some really hard ones. Um, we I'm, need to talk though about the actual game beyond the hard mode. I mean, like some of those bosses, the music, the world. Yeah. I mean, we both beat it. It, we, it was so fun. And we played co-op a lot, which was cool. So we got to try that as well. Yeah. When you play co-op, does it save like where you're at and mm-hmm. you can pick it up in single well, player? It oh, saves absolutely. the single player nice. and then the other person could just jump in and really? enjoy. Yeah. Dude, I love that. And then it saves that even like I signed in as a guest on Donna's machine and it saved the guns and stuff I bought the next time I played like yeah. later. So the it, to me, it was just like the experience of like getting that cool, like the soundtrack I got to watch a making of, and it's just so cool getting, they have like a, I want to say it's a, a big band, a ragtime band and a ragtime band. And then like occasionally they have like just singers and stuff that are pretty cool. Yeah. But like the, just the artwork, like just every boss was so cool. Just yeah. seeing their different forms. There's, yeah. and it was just, it was such a fun, satisfying game. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't find. I mean, for the most part, reviews have been really positive, with the occasional like talk of it being really unfair at the end or like that. I didn't even really find that to be yeah. true. Like I, 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 I thought it was just all great. Yeah, angry because the last boss takes so long because you can fight. You know, this isn't second last much. boss. But yeah, second last boss, you can fight anywhere from three to ten battles before you get to him, and then you have to do. 
the parry mechanic, which is is almost impossible, but you can, it can be done. But what you know, in the end, it's it's just a challenge that you have. The whole game is about playing and replaying and getting better and winning something and you get a real good sense of accomplishment what are the save points like in this is this Everywhere. one of those no no, no so it's can just you save whenever you save in, so even after you each don't, boss you don't, don't have, have to save yeah. it's auto save so okay. if you quit a boss battle it saves if you beat something it saves like anything yeah. you yeah. do saves um there's like a slight like uh buying and sell well, not selling but buying mechanic where you get coins and buy things that was okay i i did find it enjoyable it wasn't like that great of a thing you know but yeah but it's cool because you get different yeah. weapon combos and, and you can choose which is cool you know it's yeah. better than them being like now you get the red bolt because if they would have done that that would have sucked you yeah. know like oh you have to wait till you beat this guy to get the shotgun essentially yeah um but no i mean and that would have been that would have just been mega man if that's how it was where you yeah I'd have to say my favorite boss looking back, though, might have been the dual frogs, just because they cool. were on the casino riverboat. Do yeah. you have, like, a favorite kind of, like, memory? I mean, there's just they're all so cool looking, but I'm just like... Yeah, uh, my, see, favorite bosses, oh, that's so tough. Um, I love the mermaid... Oh, mermaid was cool. Uh, I was liked how you had to dodge at the end. Like they yeah. had that. They had. They have a whole dodging section. You're in a. So half of the battles take place on ground, and then half take place in a plane where it's kind of like a shoot 'em up almost. Or no, yeah. shoot 'em. Yeah, shoot 'em up. Yeah. Um. And th- at the end stage, so all the bosses have like multi stages. The mermaid goes through a cave, and you're both dodging her bullets and dodging the actual environments while trying to shoot her and get. So you're a plane, though. Is that what you said? In, yeah, in some of the, half of the battles. So what, what are you normally though when a you're cup not cuphead or a oh, mughead okay. or mugman? I mean, yeah, and you just have guns. Yeah, yeah. You just say your Dude, fingers are just going. Pew, 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 that yeah. sounds like so much fun. Yeah, it is it's great. It's amazing. Um, there is so much news to talk about. Let's take a real quick break and then come back. Hey everyone, venture into the pop culture cosmos today, where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies, TV, video games, comic books, technology, board gaming, and more. You'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the cosmos as well. So come on and join us each week as we delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. Welcome back. Hey. Um, anyways, yeah, this has been an insane month. October is going to be crazy, and there has been a lot of news, but even more than news, there's just a ton of games coming out. Um, I want to just get like a pulse beyond Mario Odyssey. Are you guys excited for anything? South Park. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that next week. I am worried about the gameplay, but I know it's yeah. going to be hilarious. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping the gameplay is good. Those videos didn't inspire a lot of confidence yeah. in me. It's, it just looks more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. It's weird because the videos kind of turned me off of it, but then everyone's excitement over it is making me feel excited about it. I mean, I know the game is going to be so funny, just like the last one was, and it's got the same, you know, Matt and Trey are heavily involved with it so um you know you know it's going to be south park funny but it's just kind of hopefully the game you know not being made by obsidian is going to be okay yeah that's a bummer you know i but i don't know if you guys noticed and we're going to kind of go through the news weird today i don't know if you guys noticed the post i want to say it was from an obsidian writer Mm -hmm. about a fallout tweet did you see that he posted something about like a stick figure shaking the hand of uh pip boy 
and a lot of people are hoping it means that like Obsidian or something is going back to the Fallout universe. Oh, that would be so awesome. So this, I mean, it's it's a big rumor. Nobody knows, but it is a strange tweet. Did they have. did they originally own Fallout? No, 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 but Obsidian is made up of people that worked on the original Fallout's, which is why a lot of people preferred New Vegas to three because it felt more like the Fallouty. Okay. Um, so because Bethesda. Bethesda tends to make things too serious because um, their Elder Scrolls games are serious, except yeah. for Make the Liar and the Lusty Argonian Maid. Nice. Um, I love those books. But uh, <laughs> um, but generally speaking, like Fallout is such a quirky, like kind of dark humor universe. And Fallout 3 is so serious for the most part. That was the one with Liam Neeson in the beginning, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, and did, then Fall- I mean, Fallout 3 is amazing. Fallout though. 3 is a great game, yeah, of course. But... Fallout New Vegas came out and it it had, you know, it's Obsidian that made it and they had the people that worked on the original Fallouts that helped invent Fallout, essentially, um, that that work at Obsidian. So it it just captured a lot more of that, like, goofball, like, off-the-wall sort of uh, aesthetic that Fallout typically has. Um, And so that's why a lot of people would be really excited about Obsidian getting another shot at a Fallout game. Would it would it st- it would still be owned by Bethesda, right? Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they, they exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, that actually because uh, that's how New Vegas was. They used the same engine as Fallout Three, and then they just made a new game. Because I, I remember I was confused about New Vegas whether it was like an expansion, but it was a standalone game. Like, yeah, I, I played it. I standalone it game fun. with all of its own DLC and stuff. Yeah, which has such good. Some of that DS, DLC has such good writing. Like that was cool stuff. Yeah, it's rare when you actually find like DLC that's supposed to be good, which actually brings me to something that looks a lot better than it probably will be. I watched the DLC videos for Assassin's Creed Origins. Did you guys see what that is? Yeah. Where it's like you fight, one of them's like you fight against Romans, which looks pretty cool. And the other one is you fight like the Egyptian gods. Yeah, I saw that. Is yeah. that was that the one with like Anubis rising out of the sea? Yeah, this looks so cool, man. I'm hoping that game's good. But Do you know what this game reminds me of? Just Does it have loot boxes? I will have to talk. Oh, oh man, geez. the loot box 2017 is going to be. I think it does. I know there's a purchase currency you it's can get. Epidemic. Oof. It the game though. Just watching the videos, it reminds me of Rise. Oh, Rise. Oh, just I love. Like I actually really loved Rise. I, I did too. You could go through it in like four hours, yeah. and it's a fun game. Like it's just. It's, it's not a game I'd ever revisit, but I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> I, I picked it up at Target for like seven bucks. Yeah, and it was a super cheap game at some point. It's, it's still pretty beautiful too. Yeah. It's like one of the best looking games. Um, before we get into loot boxes and completionists' ways of games, though, I want to talk about what I've been really trying to find recently: the SNES Classic. Since the last time we recorded. That released, people have put reviews up of Star Fox 2, which has gone from people loving it and saying it's amazing to people saying it's maybe the worst game on the whole SNES Classic. But, like, what do you guys think of it? I, I know we talked about it on the last Super BS, me, Donna, and uh, Stank Bank, but, like, are you guys trying to find one or, like... No. no I, I It doesn't have enough games that I want. Like, I, just, I just... I'm so disappointed in the game selection. But it's still only 80 bucks, and there are still five great RPGs, five or so great platformers, five or so great other games, and there's five games that are just whatever that yeah. are just exist See, on it. I like the idea of it, and I like... I tell myself now that if I buy it, I'll, I'll be sitting there playing it, but I know that... Especially like right now with all the good games coming out, I won't play it. Like I'll... Yeah, that's my problem, See, too. See, for me, I... Most of the games on the most of the 
games on the SNES Classic that I like, I can play already on something. Yeah. Um, and then... Like the iOS. Like the <laughs> iOS. Um, no, but I mean, I've got like a thousand versions of Final Fantasy VI. I've got like, you know, I've got a version of Earthbound that I can play on a TV. Yeah. Um, I've got a version of Donkey Kong Country 1, 2, and 3 that I can play. Like I've, So it's like, for me, the incentive is really low unless they are to unless they were to come out with some type of virtual console for it or just in, you know until it gets hacked illegally um because there's games there's games that i really want to play that i haven't finished before like illusion of gaia or yeah. terra enigma or um you know like act riser 2 and things like that and they left all those games i mean all like a mi- like a million of those games they just left off yeah chrono um, trigger was the biggest one that i was surprised wasn't on there that's like yeah. the single biggest omission i'm like uh, Donkey Kong Country 2 is a pretty I, big I omission in my I know. That's thought. a big one, too. Just but cl- just Clear something up for me real quick. When you say hack, does that mean like you want to add more content yeah. onto it? A lot oh, of yeah. people have been doing that. Would you do that through like USB? or? Yeah. They have I, USB ports. Yeah. I've read that it's already starting to get hacked, but it would have to get like, you know, I'm not a hacker. For the layman. So it would have to be like layman hacked, and then I could just treat it as an emulator. I, I wish they would have done what Giant Bomb suggested, which is if you buy the thing, it gives you download codes for the game when they come to Switch. Because then I would have immediately have bought it. You know, I would be like paying We're assuming that, because we don't know that anything yeah, is ever I know. to Switch. I know. I, I feel <laughs> like we talked so much about the virtual console and Switch at the beginning of this podcast, and I've just lost my will to beat that drum. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, it's but so I, I would see, I, I think it would be a great idea if the SNES Classic just came with an online store. Yeah, that would be cool. I, I would be cool with that. I just want, I like the five foot HDMI and the five foot cable or whatever that comes with it. That's just not long enough. Like, yeah. I still want this stuff on the Switch, you know, but uh, whatever. It's we could, funny I could talk about that. We always talk year. about this stuff and like the way we describe it, we make it sound like Nintendo hates money. Like well, we, like, we literally do. Like, we tell them how to like put these products out and so like nerds like us will buy them. Yeah. And th- it just doesn't happen. Like it seems like it's so simple for them to do think, these things and they don't. I think culturally there's a lot of pride at Nintendo like yeah. in Japan. Um I've read things before where it's like the higher ups at Nintendo say, "Oh, well, we don't want like people to only like the, our past, so they refuse to do things like conveniently make all of their legacy available to everyone." Because that's the, that's the that's the hard thing is it's like, you know, e- even if like I have a Super Nintendo, but yeah, I, I, I don't know how to hook it. I'm sure there's a converter somewhere, but I'm not going to hook it up to my like you know tv that no longer has like the outlets for it they're yeah the red yellow white the red yellow white and stuff like that and it doesn't work very well anymore it's like it it makes so much sense to just like hey you know put out your like put out your stuff yep so that we can play it still and they did it with the wii and then they kind of like went back on that for more and more you know the wii u did half of the ports and this is something we have to talk about today now too is the Wii eShops closing yeah. January 2019. Why? I mean, you got to close those at some time. But the crazy thing is, like, all the games we bought, which, I mean, I sold my Wii, so whatever. I kind of forfeited them anyways. But say you own a Wii, you have to, and say you bought too many games for the minuscule hard drive that was on it. I want to say it was 512 megabytes. Mm-hmm. You have to literally back those up on a USB or hard drive to be able to, like, ever access them again. After 2019, it's done. Like, you can't get the games you purchased. So it's 
Nintendo is dealing with this the exact opposite way that Microsoft did, where it's like, hey, let's make the original Xbox games backwards compatible. Let's do the 360 games, where it's like, hey, you can use your discs or your digital purchases. It's like, nah, we don't want you to get the games you paid for already. Eventually, they are going to run into that problem, though. That's why Microsoft addressed it. That's why Sony's there's been rumors of Sony talking about it. I don't think Sony's going to do it, man. Maybe the next console. Yeah, I think Sony has to take another... They need like they need to have the reverse like the Microsoft thing happen to them where everyone yeah. just turns on them for some reason and then they might do something good. Bust out the pitchforks. Yeah. Like yeah. if they like if they if PlayStation Five is like a super lazy console like PlayStation Three, yeah. then everyone will hate them again and then they'll do something good. Um, Let's hope. I mean, yeah. If their E three performance is any indication. Um. But. You know, there's also, like, we could talk about Nintendo and these consoles for forever, but I want to talk about, like, how we play games. Uh, Donna mentioned a really cool article about, like, this idea where completionism is becoming this, you know, this kind of, like, bane of a lot of game players' existence, and I forgot what game it was. We're talking about, in the article I sent from Kotaku, is Stardew Valley. Oh, Stardew Valley. But there's also, I want to say, Undertale and maybe another, but there's, there's a couple... Maybe it's not Undertale, but there's a couple games where like the the creator actually doesn't want you to be able to do everything, so they've made it like impossible. And it's not Stardew Valley, but but that is a game that does that as well. But I I kind of like that idea of like the creator saying like, hey, you shouldn't be like spending all your time doing this. This is like a waste of your time. Um, I was just wondering what you guys think about it. I know Donna, you you really enjoyed what the author like talked about on the Kotaku article. Well, I think it's just an interesting concept because um, that is kind of like a really banal thing in this generation of games, and that's something that I love. Like when I was talking about, you know, Super Nintendo games that I want to play that I haven't finished. I know that I can go through those games and I can just kind of enjoy them yeah. because I don't have to like look online for optimal character build outs yeah. or, you know, it's like, like that's kind of, that's kind of, you know, I'm really enjoying Witcher 2, but it's also, you have to stay on facts. Yeah. To beat the game. <laughs> like your choices matter. Number one, but not just your, cho- your story choices, your built like especially in witcher 2 where it's a lot more brutal than apparently witcher 3 is Yeah, Witcher 3 is a lot more casual you have you can't waste your points and you can't really respec in that game until the very end anyway so um so there's a lot of there's a lot of that where it's like i spend you know it's like i sit down to play a game and i end up spending 45 minutes online like reading different things about decision making with character builds and weapons and all that kind of stuff and that's kind of was the nature of that uh, article on Stardew Valley. It was like the guy uh, that was playing it had decided not to do that and was just content with playing it at his own pace and learning things by himself. But knowing that by doing that, there's a lot of things that he was going to miss out on. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, it's cool, but it's also a bummer um, because it's hard to know that you're missing out on cool content and then miss out on it. Um, you know, that was something that was so great about Cuphead. Yeah. It was that there was no reason to really... Like miss anything? Yeah. I mean, you can't really miss anything. So it was nice to just sort of play the game, sit down and play the game. Um, yeah, I, I've had that same... It's funny that that author mentioned Stardew Valley. When I picked it up uh, last week and I turned it on, I ended up just feeling this dread because you start the game with such a limited backpack, like you can only hold so much stuff. And there's a way to 
like get another backpack, but you have to spend like 2000 of the in-game dollars. And I'm sure that's easy for people who play Stardew Valley a lot. But for me, who's never played before, that seems like such a daunting task. So I went online and read like, here's the things you need to do to get the, you know, whatever, to get more money. And it just like, that's such a huge turnoff that I went back to golf story and I'm like, I'll get to Stardew Valley when I get to it now, because like, I just want to play games now. I don't want to go through facts anymore. You know, I, th- I think too, because like we kind of grew up in that era where there was a lot of like completionism for gaming. Like we wanted to go through and like, I don't like me personally. I like to I, like used to like the hundred percent things, but I would now, say like, in the PlayStation era, but not in the super Nintendo era, unless you bought a yeah, guy. Yeah. You yeah. Even no, well, yeah. I'm talking about like PlayStation and Xbox, but like yeah. I would, you know, now that I've been through all that and I just like, I don't want to deal with the headache of it anymore. So yeah, like if I look at play. a game where they're like, Hey, you, for me, Le- uh, Breath of the Wild was kind of like that. So, like, I, in order for me to like comfortably beat the game, I had to go and do certain things and get certain weapons. Really? Yeah, that okay. That was my first Zelda game, guys. Okay, come well, coming some slack here, and but, it is nothing like any. Most of the other Zelda games are not handholdy, but they force you down a path. Except so. for, uh, well, I wouldn't say it. I mean, there most Zelda games are fairly linear in that. Yes, but post Ocarina, I should yeah, say. I was gonna say though that. The Oracle of Seasons and Ages are pretty confusing, but also awesome. With what you have to, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it was, it's a, I just like, I don't want to deal with it anymore. Like uh, if I could play a game without having to go do like all the side quests, collect all the weapons, do all these extra things that increase inventory space. Like I'm perfectly content doing, like not doing those things. See what I, what I want is for that stuff to not matter. Um, and that's like, that's one of the reasons that I love, um, you know, the old, well, actually, 15 is the same way. I love Final Fantasy games because I know that by not, you know, like finding the secret bosses that I'm not going to be missing out on like the secret ending because typically outside of 10-2, there's not really secret endings in Final Fantasy games. Um, so you can play the game at your own pace. And as long as you beat the game, like you've experienced everything. Um, and that's that's kind of the same thing, like, you know, with a Zelda game, I don't, I don't actually don't have as much of a completionist attitude because you don't need everything, like rarely at least. And I, um, and that's why I'm looking forward to Mario Odyssey because I know that I'm not going to need to read online to play it. Just play through. Yeah, there's not going to be like tips before starting this, but there's those games that require such a heavy um, investment for you to like get the most out of it. And that's that's the problem is really it's getting the most out of the game shouldn't require. Um, shouldn't require, you know, all that stuff. Um, you should be able to learn to play a game by yourself and get the most out of it that way. Um, it, it's funny that you brought this up, though, because it ties into another, like, huge topic I wanted to bring up where you're talking about a games that you have to, like, do a ton of stuff to get the ending. I was reading something where it was, like, Batman Arkham Knight, you had to do all of the Riddler trophies to actually get the final ending of the game. And I read that because... Shadow of War, the most recent um, Middle Earth game that came out just this week, has a thing where you have to play Act 5, I want to say, for anywhere from 12 hours plus to actually get the final ending in the game. Right. There's like a whole post-game thing. And that also brings me to... I, I want to bring up Shadow of War specifically because it's where I think I've started noticing the other epidemic. And we can go back and forth between Completionist and this, but... there. 
this they're kind of almost tied together. Before we before we talk about that epidemic, yeah. I was going to say the the other epidemic that goes along with these completionist games are so freaking big. Yeah. yeah. That's the problem, you know, like open world games. You know, like you know, even if there's like a specific in a game like Undertale where it's like make you know, you want to do it a certain way, it's a 6-hour game. Yeah, it's a lot so more manageable. It's it's manageable. But it's like like when we were, when I was playing Dragon Age Inquisition, oh. and it's like there's you know, and it's like there's multiple, and I pretty much hundred percent of that game, um, and there's multiple like you can make that big decision. There's always a mages templar split somewhere in a Dragon Age game, and it's like I'm never going to go back through that because there was a, another sixty hours of game after that, and it's like I'm not going to replay that for a completionist. Yeah, they should almost have like an option in the main menu where that allows you just to enter that point beyond just like, oh, you have to set up a save file here and then load that file and then go through the other thing. Like they should almost have that once you get to that point, be like, hey, here is the story. But the point I was going to say is that even because even if they had that, there's still another like 60, 70 hours of that game to play. So it's like I'd. I'm not going to do that ever no, again. I know, and I know. Mass Effect was really bad for that, though. Like, yeah, but Mass Effect games were significantly shorter, shorter than a yeah, Dragon Age 20, games. 30 True, hours but... tops. I actually played Mass Effect 1, I want to say, two or three times. Yeah, and Mass it Effect was, 1 is short. It was awesome. It yeah. was just like a great, quick... Like, once you know how to play that game, you could beat it probably in 12 to 14 hours. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, man, that game's amazing. Yeah. Um, anything more you guys want to talk about completionists? Because I do want to bring up this major well, thing. What I was going to say with uh, quoting Kotaku again is with... Like I, the reason I'm probably going to skip Shadow of War oh, yeah. is because of that that fake box quote of "There's so much game in this game." It's like, ah. yeah, and that's exactly what I was worried about when it's like a sequel to a game has to be like bigger and more complicated and has to have way more content. And it's like more that's powers. another thing. That's another thing that I really like about Final Fantasy games um, or even Zelda games is that a sequel is about it's about exploring like a new version of Hyrule or it's about exploring a new world in the Final Fantasy multiverse or something or like, you know, and it's like, it's not about like, okay, remember this, like uh, this system in Final Fantasy X? Well, it's back, but it's more complicated and it takes three times as long to navigate your menus and there's way more, like it's never like that. Um, But that's what games are getting to and like, I, I guess... We, should we talk about it now then? Yeah. The the big problem I've been having in Shadow of War, I think, was the first one that really... Well, just make sure that all of our listeners pay us real money for the, the next loot box yeah. version of our podcast. I know. We got to get some uh, loot box. You, can't, you have to buy this content <laughs> we're going to gonna talk about. Yeah, now. this is actually just... And it's a random drop loot box. You might also just get a loot box where we're just farting into the mics. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, actually, you know, I, I want to say Shadow of War made me notice it. But honestly, it was... I, I played the Star Wars Battlefront 2 beta just last night or the night before. And it was pretty fun. But one of the things I noticed was that you could buy real currency to let you play as Jedis because they stopped making a random drop and made it battle points where you can earn them by getting kills in the match or just buying it, just buying the currency. And there's also currency that lets you buy weapons and stuff. I that can't is, wait for that to hit Call of Duty where you can uh, literally buy your way through matches. I You can't. Thanks. So Call of Duty has already, they've been doing loot boxes for a while. I don't know if they have a, a physical currency or I mean like a paid currency that you can buy, but I, mm-hmm. I think it's only a matter of time. I feel like that sucks all the fun out of the game though. And it's 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 kind of like we were talking, I think off mic, like these games haven't raised their prices. So these developers are trying to find like the best way they can do it. But loot boxes are probably my least favorite way that they can do it. Like, Overwatch, I, I got them when I played the game, but some people drop, like, 50 bucks of real-world cash to get, like, 
new clothes and stuff. And it's all random, random drops. Like it's, it's crazy to me. And, and just real quick, I want to list off the games. Then I want us to talk about this, but like Forza seven, uh, does loot boxes. Shadow of War does paid loot boxes. Assassin's Creed Origin is doing some type of paid currency. Star Wars Battlefront 2 is doing some type of paid currency. Um, I know Player Unknown Battleground. And those are just like the ones off the top of my head. I don't know if you guys can think of any more. But I loot boxes is becoming the new annoying thing, the DLC that's paid that you have to have to be able to do this. And it, it's just, it's a bummer. Like it's a bummer that this is the way that, you know, things went instead of like cosmetic uh, things like Path of Exile, where it's just like you buy cosmetic items and it supports them. The yeah. first time I noticed that was with um, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. You had to pay money oh, to yeah. have access to all like the uh, the maps and stuff that showed you where all the treasures were and all that. That's so, so dumb, man. That was yeah. That was yeah, Assassin's Creed's been doing this now since I think since Black Flag. Yeah, uh, that, that was the first time I, I'd come across that and like. I you know I paid the the three or four bucks for the maps, but yeah, I just I wish you could just find this stuff on it on your own without needing that. Some games let you do it. Like uh, we were, I'm sure you guys read that uh, Shadow of War doesn't. You don't actually need any loot boxes. You'll find all the same gear and stuff in the game. It's just strange that they have so many currencies and loot boxes and stuff. At some point, that becomes just an annoying thing. Like, oh, I have zero of this currency, but yeah. twenty thousand of this currency. I, I don't know. I'm just curious what you guys think about it because yeah, I mean obviously Destiny does this, a few other games do this, and it's it's getting it's getting a little bit out of hand. I mean Microsoft's been doing it every game recently, like Halo Five had loot boxes, which had there were card packs. Gears of War had card packs, Forza had card packs, and now I I just think we're gonna see it more and more and more. Do you get any of this stuff with like the the we've talked about season passes, but do you get any of this stuff with the season pass, or is this a separate transaction? Normally, these are you can get like they'll give you three or four card packs, or like one of the best card packs that guarantees. But a lot of those are consumable items that are one shot uses, right? And generally, season passes are about content, yeah. Versus this is about loot, so you're basically buying. You're buying better items so that you don't have to earn them. Like I would, and then it, it's it's it sounds like it's okay in Shadow of War because I've read so far that you really don't need them. That all of the epic and legendary gear and orcs and that kind of stuff you'll just find in the game. Yeah, um, and it's it's really not necessary at all. Um, but it's it's harder when it's like when a game is a grind fest and it's like oh you know where it's like oh you can do this raid a thousand times to get this one helmet to drop or you can buy it so it's all about it's all about time time consumption yeah and it's and that's what they're doing they're they're trying to appease the people who are our age they want us to buy you know the people our age or older who are like working the 50 hour work week jobs or whatever 60 hours and those people just want to play destiny 2 or they just want to play shadow of war they don't want to have to grind and you know i don't don't blame them they don't want to do that so the option is hey you don't want to grind just pay us money you know you can buy you can buy your way through it and i i wouldn't be surprised if south park next week has some type of loot box system in it i mean it's yeah. and to me that's that's a bummer like i don't want to be asked to buy stuff with real money and yeah. I, especially after it's just paid 60 bucks for something you know and i know we've talked about this like we mentioned games should probably increase their price but they're not gonna and it's getting too expensive as you is can, so you can buy south park for a hundred dollars <laughs> yeah i know right and that's and I like we've talked about we don't even know what that season pass contains. Right. It might just be like 
armor and items. Wait, is that an extra hundred dollars on no, the no, top? No, 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 no. It's an extra forty. Okay. They um, fifty. Yeah, they have a like the deluxe version of South Park. It's like a hundred dollars digital, and so basically you're just buying the game and the fifty dollars season pass. But there's not a deal for buying them together. Okay. So that's like a that's as as seems to be like a new trend because normally. Normally, when you buy like a digital deluxe or even a physical deluxe edition, it's like you get the season pass for way cheaper. For cheaper, it's like oh, you you know, the game was seventy dollars instead, and you know, or eighty dollars, and the season pass was twenty, um, as opposed to buying the sixty dollar game and the thirty dollar season pass. But there's no savings; it's just buying them at the same time. Jeez. Yeah, it's the whole monetization of games. It's a game that I have no interest in playing, but I've heard was the worst defender NBA 2K uh, 18. Oh yeah, I've heard that. What do you say? There was a thousand dollars worth of transactions. Wait, that you really? Do? Just for so. what? I've, what like shoes? And so clothes? what you can do actually from if I've if I've heard correctly, I'm not gonna play it. It's a sports game. I'm not interested. But you can buy points that allow you to upgrade your character, and if you don't pay the real money to buy those points. It supposedly is a lot of grinding out uh, games to be able to upgrade your character. It's like a very slow... In a a sports game. Yeah, and you can bring your upgraded characters to play against others online, as far as I know. So it is is pay to win for a $60 game. Jeez. And this is something I think we're going to see more and more and more of. Yeah, you there's a there's a version of it that's $150. Yeah, that's that's so stupid. I I mean, sports I, games are are probably like the worst offender maybe. Of they this stuff. I mean, they make sense though too because yeah. I mean, I don't I don't really register sports games as real video games anyway because they just seem weird and dumb to me, but I just I'm not interested in them, but Yeah. Um but I mean, it seems like I don't know. I guess sports fans, they doesn't fantasy football cost money? Uh you can pay for like uh and then yeah, a lot of fantasy football leagues they like expect pools, you to right? pay. They, yeah, yeah. Expect you to pay. But yeah, it's not surprising because I mean these are the same people who buy essentially the same game every year for sixty bucks and it sells it's the top selling game of August. Madden, you know, like this they're gonna buy these things. A lot of them are just like, Hey, I just wanna play and be good, so let me just pay twenty bucks, level up this character and max him out and that's ah, such a skeevy way of I making guess, extra money. I yeah. guess though, like if you're like EA Sports and you're releasing what four or five main titles each year, and then you're a consumer and you only buy like, the one that one game, which is what it, they all do. You know, it's not like a. I can see it from that point of view. I do too. I just, it's just a frustrating way. You know, like Shadow of War, it frustrates me because even though I'm not buying it at full price, I'll probably wait till it's on sale. Um, I don't really want to have to come across a lot of screens that say like, hey, purchase this for $5 or it takes you to the store. Like if there's a way, I've heard Forza 7 does this, which is nice. There's There are some games that allow you to literally say, I don't want to see any microtransactions. And I think Forza 7 was the game that does this. If there's a way to do that in games, I'm a lot cooler with it. But if, if I just paid for a game, I, I, I don't want to see that screen because I'm not going to be tempted to do it. It's just going to be an annoying thing. One of the big reasons why, beyond the way I hate that they control, I don't play a lot of phone games. I hate a lot of them that they have advertisements. And I don't know if you've ever tried a free iOS game and had to sit through a 15-minute, or 15-minute, 15-second advertisement. And they continue to pop up while you're playing, too. So That reminds me, I forgot to mention of games I've been playing a lot of, is I'm back to Super Mario Run. Oh, how's that going? They released a a brand new 
mode that was free, like a free update if you're already on the game. Yeah. Um, called Remix 10. And if you play it a ton, you can unlock Princess Daisy as a playable character. Oh, nice. Which Ooh. I did. And then it also has a brand new world in the main game. Um, so four levels? It's, uh, I think it's got six. They, that's like, I would pay another five to ten bucks if they released another 30 plus levels. Cause well, I, I loved playing those original levels and I liked getting the coins the first two times. The third time it was just annoying. And yeah, that's, and I was fun. working on the black coins, but yeah. this, let me, let me pull it up and I'll let you know. Um, I think the new world, the star world has, I think it has six or eight levels. I could be wrong. Cause the game for a phone game is like perfect. Like, it's one of the best, like, design things because you just click a jump button mm-hmm. and they made it challenging enough and interesting enough that it's it's fun. But, like... There's uh, there's nine levels. Oh, that's cool. Nine What's, new levels. What does it cost to buy it? Oh, you don't have to... It's not... It's free. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's... I mean, I think it's... If you bought the game... Yeah, I paid the 10 bucks. Yeah, there's no... It's free. It's just an update. Which it dropped so, to five. Is that... Was that a permanent discount or was that temporary? I don't know because I bought the game when it came out, so... Oh, okay. That's but a, no, it, if you don't have it, Josh, It looks like this. And yeah. you actually, it's cool because you actually unlock the levels in the Star World by doing challenges. Oh, that's cool. So it's like unlock this by winning Toad Rally three times in a row or clear. Uh, oh, I was kind of hoping you meant challenges in each of the previous levels where it was like unlock this by jumping on somebody's head or by oh, finding it the is, key. It is like that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Like clear world 4-1 with 60 or more left on the timer. Oh, okay. That's pretty yeah, cool. So it, it is like that. There's Some of them are Toad Rally related and some of them are remix related. Okay. Um, but a lot of them are like clear this level with 400 coins or clear this level, oh, okay. like defeat 20 or more ninjas? enemies. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what ninjas are. Um, I think they're... I don't know. They are but, actually. but the levels are really fun. The ones I've unlocked, at least. Um, but you said this had something to do with advertisements. No, it had. Some, I just forgot that I'd been playing it, and you oh, said yeah. iOS games. Oh yeah, I, nothing to do with ads. It had to do with iOS. Yeah, I games. thought at first it's, you were about to say that they ten, dropped ads it, in there. Like, it's ten dollars. Oh, okay, it was five That's bucks. A, like there's, a week or two there's back. a lot of content for ten dollars in an iOS game. And it and it was five. I mean, they did cut it on sale for the. I, know, I think I bought it when it was on sale. Oh, for five bucks, a couple yeah, weeks back. Because I have it. Yeah, it's great. It's it's an awesome game. Yeah, we'll get that update because it's free. Yeah, I need to replay it. I haven't yeah. touched my the phone. The remix game mode you play level you basically play ten levels at a time and the levels are like three seconds long. Okay. That's pretty cool. So you play through it takes a long time to get to Daisy because you have to play through thirty areas. But you also all of the like rare buildings you can get unlocked just like through random it's it's pretty fun. Well, anyways, my dudes, is there anything else you guys want to add in closing before we've had a this <laughs> pretty long episode of Super BS. Um but what do you guys... Uh, we got a website coming, we do? coming up. Oh, nice. Is When are we unlocking that yeah, joint? That will be probably in the next few weeks. As for right okay. now, like after this week, it'll be like our Super BS page will be launched like as a kind of like a side page on humanicanmedia.com. Okay. Are we going to also hopefully have an easy way for people to email us just from that site? Can you just click like a contact us thing? Yeah. Okay, yeah, there's, cool. There's a link down super there. Superbscast.gmail.com has not seen much action. Yeah. It's going to be under www.clownpenis.farts. Clownpenis. Do you ever see that SNL? No. There's like a, I don't remember if it's a law office or like a healthcare website, but they have this like commercial where it's like talking about helping families and stuff and for like like a website kind of thing and then 
just the whole joke of it is that the website is www.clownpenis.fart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to look it up after this. <laughs> that is something we'll have to watch. So you think in a couple weeks or so people will be able to check it out? Yeah. Yeah. So um, on this website, you'll be able to see like all the reviews that we have, any like vi- video content we have, plus the uh, podcast links. So you'll, Okay, cool. Is there going to be any written stuff? I think we're trying to work on some of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, we, cool. we have written reviews and stuff that, you know, we've already done like your Pixel Story thing. I'm nice. putting it all up there. So. Yeah, man. I mean, that's cool. And I think you'd still check us out on the Podcast News Network or whatever you say it's yeah, called. Yeah, Podcast Radio Network. Okay, yeah. Um, anything you've been working on? Madonna? No. Nah, yeah, me neither. There, there'll be some cool stuff, though. Pretty, pretty cool and pretty, pretty soon. Um, we will be back, yeah, pretty shortly, maybe a week, maybe two. Um, thanks for sticking in there with us. Peace. Oh. That's uh, to us people that can feel things, it, it, uh, it hurts.